You love Michigan sports. Red Wings, Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Michigan, Michigan State, and the list goes on. And you love beer. Love beer. Who doesn't? What if we mixed the two together? My sports. We'll talk everything Michigan sports like only we do, and then we'll down our fair share of beer from a local brewery. Grading the beer throughout the episode, so pop a cold one on your end, and we'll get busy on ours. This is the state of my sports. And this is episode 188, recording live on January 10th, 2023. Tonight, we're going to obviously discuss the Detroit Lions Sunday night football win at Lambeau Field. But first, we'll talk about what happened leading into the Sunday night matchup that eliminated the Lions from playoff contention uh, before the game. Uh, but they responded nice um, by eliminating the Packers, which is which is pretty cool. Um, eliminated Rodgers as well. Always feel good about that. Sorry, Micah, we'll... We'll try to be kind about that. Um, but <laughs> with <laughs> We're going to have a discussion, right? A good yes, old honest discussion. discussion. Good old discussion. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, we'll look ahead to the Lions offseason as well as the, the NFL playoffs and give our predictions. Uh, we'll make our picks against the spread in our betting hero segment. And, of course, we will – actually, we're not going to drink beer tonight. Well, I, so, all right, so you guys want to know something? So I had this beer that we were going to get. This, it was a variety pack. And I bought this because I thought it was all of us. Oh, yeah. Like tonight. Ah, cool. I thought John was going to be here, and then well, you guys going to be here. Um, I'm not even done with my intro, but we're not drinking tonight. I'll get into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> off schedule. Off schedule. Swimming Roll it back. I cannot do that. I can't go off schedule. Uh, to yourself. If you're joining us live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Twitch, let us know what you're sipping on and give us your thoughts on all of our topics in the chat. I am Sam Waldert. With me today, we have Michael Smith. What is that? Ryan Walter. Hello. John is migraining it up. He said he got a head, uh, migraine, so he wasn't able to, to join. So hopefully he feels better. He said he was going to get me the picks, but he never got me his picks. So that's, that's not good. What is the difference between a migraine and a headache, and how do you know? Migraine's a type of headache, and it's got something to do with like pressure behind the eyes, I think. Is it? I don't know. People that get migraines know exactly what a migraine is. I, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever had a migraine. I've always wondered. I, I don't know the difference. I just, I thought it was just like a really bad headache. Yeah, some people like can't see; they get like blurry vision and all kinds of stuff. stuff. Really? Yeah. You didn't know that? No, I thought that was just alcohol poisoning. Well, it could be that too. So if you can eliminate one of those (laughs) options, then usually (laughs) it's it's the other one. All right. Jokes aside, John, feel better, buddy. John, feel better. Um, So how was your guys' week? Guys, do anything fun? No. Watch the Lions. Yeah, we'll watch that. We'll get into that. I'm excited to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, me too. That was that um, was one of one of the most exciting games. I don't know. It just made it, it made so the whole fun. state feel good. It really did. It was really really fun. Yeah. Um. Did you, did you guys watch the national championship or no? No. Why, no? why would I do that? Did you? What national championship? <laughs> yeah. So Georgia <laughs> won sixty-five. Was it sixty-five? Sixty-five to seven. Yeah, I think it was sixty. I didn't watch it. I, I thought about it, and then I just looked at on my phone. I was like, I'm not even going to give them my ratings because yeah. I'm so angry. Like, I did not want to watch that game. But, like, based on what we know now, 65-7 to 7 against from Georgia beating TCU, obviously. Um, does that change your thoughts 
a little bit about the loss, or does it just like what? What does it make you feel like Michigan would have done against Georgia? Does it? Because I've heard so many sports talk people talk about how. Well, Michigan is that far off. You can't even beat TCU, and TCU just did oh, this. Oh, give me no, a break. Like, I think it's such a football game. Yeah, it is very I, – I agree that – I think Michigan's built better to compete with a, te- a Georgia. See, the problem with that thinking – uh, My thinking or theirs? No, just the overall thinking, their thinking is if you're trying to say that TCU you, you don't match up against Georgia because TCU didn't match up against Georgia, then wouldn't you also say that you should be able to beat them because Ohio State should have beaten them? That's good. Yeah. Like that the the logic doesn't add up. And people are so short sighted with this stuff. They they can't say they can't see in a game how one thing leads to another. Mm-hmm. So Michigan their game started off as poorly as you could have imagined a game and yet they were like climbing clawing the way back the whole time they were playing as underdogs from the beginning because of dumb mistakes at the very beginning if some of those calls went the opposite direction who knows what that game ends mm-hmm. up as and it's same thing with georgia you get a couple of like weird plays here and there in that game and now now you're playing from behind or you're you playing with even, less confidence than you would yeah. normally you can't even stick to your game plan anymore you yeah. can't do anything you're you're literally playing with your left, like if you're right-handed, playing left-handed to yeah. start the game. It's one of it's one of my started. least. I, I, it and drives it, me crazy it, in every sport because fans and and analysts, quote unquote analysts, yeah. they all overreact to everything because they're trying to have ratings or whatever. I, I don't know. It just it drives me crazy that we can't live in the real world and see something happen in real life and say, "Oh man, that was a toss-up call." Yeah. Like that that referee's call right there actually made a big difference because or non-call, you know, yeah. like that stuff actually matters. Yep. And and it it can change the the whole. I don't know, just the way the game is played. Or somebody makes an incredible play. It's like, oh, man, well, or, or almost an incredible incredible play, and they drop it just by a little bit or the ball moves. Yeah, that changed the entire game. Yeah. And it was just, I don't know. I I looked at it as just TCU was that bad. And honestly, I think we proved it because we absolutely – we've already talked about that game. We don't need to get into it with it. Two empty uh, red zone trips. Actually, it was three empty red zone trips. Two pick sixes, that reverse call that that was also an empty red zone trip. It's like that's twenty one to twenty eight point swing basically, and you still only lost by six points. And it's like I think Michigan actually dominated that football game. I think you play that game ten times, Michigan will win eight yeah. or nine of them at at the absolute worst. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think Michigan would have competed with with Georgia much better than TCU, obviously. Um, I think they were built to to be there, and I, I I'm not ashamed to be a homer in that in that scenario. Um, but the way that uh, Ohio State competed with with Georgia, I think Michigan would have done that that same thing personally. Well, Ohio State was actually physical with them early in that game. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that that Michigan wouldn't couldn't, have, couldn't have been as physical. Yep. Yeah, as, as Ohio State showed early. Uh, the other thing is, I think Georgia is actually. What they had, and this was actually a, a pretty big benefit in my opinion, they saw Michigan, the tape for Michigan playing against TCU, and Michigan and Georgia are built so similarly mm-hmm. in their team structure and their in their strengths and their weaknesses and all that stuff, and just the the format of the game, the way they play the game. Now I think Georgia's elite, and I think they're the best at it, yep. and so I think Michigan's almost kind of like a poor man Georgia. I would agree. Uh, so when when so they had a free game to look at look at the tape and then game plan according to you know what they saw. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think, but no, I didn't watch it. What I saw in my biggest takeaway is the NCAA is in massive trouble. NCAA football is in one of the worst worst times of the of 
I, I, I can never remember. And I don't see it getting better anytime soon because you have Georgia. Alabama's going to get it figured out. They're going to be right there with Georgia here soon. And let's, if you want to take that assumption that Michigan's that far away and Ohio State's that far away and, and can never win a, a national championship, that's, that's one thing. But, like, you're running out of teams that really can truly win this thing before the season even starts. You're down to three, four teams that even have a shot. Like, a Big 12 team right now cannot win this thing. I, I would even say maybe a Big Ten team cannot win this thing. Like, I just feel like what we've seen with what George, going from Alabama's dynasty to Georgia's dynasty, and they're going to figure it out and, and continue to, to get transfers, continue to get seven five stars to the Big Ten's one. Like, it's a massive problem. And I know, like, the, the transfer portal was supposed to help it. And I think it's just hurting it because what these Georgias and Alabamas are doing, they're just being like, well, we're just going to get the best player off of a bad team and have them come here two years they don't have to develop we don't have to worry about developing them they're already ready yeah. throw them in we're ready to go it I, just I, makes the reload even easier you know i think the transfer portal is actually combating the nil problem and what do you mean by that exactly you're 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 gonna see well what you're seeing right now you're seeing veteran players go play for winning teams where these winning teams are paying kids, you know, three, four, five, six million dollars to come play. They haven't yeah. even seen the field yet, and so it's the transfer portal is kind of leveling out. You know, kind of like the the, the heavy hands of NIL money in Power Five schools. You know, like Miami. Well, the the reason they're there, and I think they're a top four class right now, is because of money. That's, Oregon, money. that's that's true, but I think both are true because because now Alabama can go get the guy that's already a stud, already proven, has his film on you know ready for everybody, and he and he has his his choice. Mm-hmm. And where is he going to go? He's going to go to the elite teams where he can, wants to go win an NCAA championship, not yeah. not necessarily go make some money because he knows if he can do it there, then the next step is one year there, then. NFL draft, but make your money. Yeah, They're, they've got to have room for him, though. That's where that's where Michigan's lack of an NIL game has proven strong in the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, that, I, you know, I, I don't know wh- which guys are you know, coming because of NIL. Saying? I don't know like what players are going where because of NIL. I think that's always the underlying um, question, like how much are they getting to for this transfer? Um, but like. I don't know. I just I don't like it. I don't like where it's going, and I don't see it uh, being fixed anytime soon. No, and, and I agree. And it's just. But let's let's think about this again in a realistic way. Ohio State should have won that game. Ohio State should have true. beaten Georgia. They should have done it this year. That's the same Ohio State team that got beat up or dominated against Michigan. And let's be clear about that too. They didn't get beat up and dominated by Michigan like people make it sound either. That was a close game in the first half. We survived yeah. the first half. We had a good third quarter that turned things around and then we started dominating the last two, you know, long runs from Donovan Edwards to, yeah. to seal the game and feel good about ourselves and get in the forties for points. But that that was a competitive game. That's yeah, a team that was true. could compete with any team out there and they proved against Georgia. That's also something to think about, isn't it? Like how, you know, people that hate Michigan, they, they look at the TCU game and go, oh, you weren't even close to Georgia, and they just do it by a score comparison yeah. solely, right? Well, mm, when you watch the way Ohio State competed with Georgia and should have won that game and then watch what Michigan did earlier to Ohio State on their turf, you didn't tell me Michigan can't compete with Georgia. Right. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. a joke. Yeah, another thing that we got to take in, into consideration is we are on the very tail end of the COVID players that are, you're getting the Stetson Bennett at 27 years old playing football <laughs> against 19-year-olds. <laughs> right. That's, like, I think it'll happen again next year. I think we're, we're finally getting away from those those extra off quadruple for sure. super senior type no, things. No, we're not, actually. We're not? No, we're d- okay. no. <laughs> that sucks. I mean, Cade, Cade McNamara, how many years does he have left? He's got three, I think. He's got three more, yeah. No, he's, he's got two two more, I think. I think he's, he's got a, three more. He's on the same trajectory as JJ. He's only played one year, technically. Right, so JJ's got three, though. So he's got three of eligibility. Oh, okay, so so that's how far away we are. We have three more yeah, years of this. Yeah, that's true. All right, shoot. Um, all right, that's enough NCAA. Kyle, it's crazy. No, it's Kyle crazy to think on, about. <laughs> uh, did say, sorry, missed the intro. Why no beer? Okay, so we bought this uh, Bell's pack. Let's see if I can pull it up because it was kind of cool. And I thought it looked really good. So we are going to do our, our beer segment here, um, which we are going to do this this hearted, which I tastes great. Hearted beer. Um, it's got uh, it's their IPA variety pack from Bell's. Um, we're going to save it for another time, if it lasts that long. We'll see, because <laughs> it's going to be in my fridge. So we'll see how long it lasts. But we were going to do that, uh, but none of us are really drinking right now. So I don't nope. know. I don't know if it's it's just kind of what we're doing. So. Uh, instead of a beer intro, we're kind of touching bases with with uh, all of the other uh, small topics before we get into lines. So we t- we're on college football. Let's continue that conversation here, m- more or less, to a Michigan twist here. Um, Blake Corum came came out on was it yesterday that he was on with Rich Eisen? Yes. And said he's coming back. So um, we at least know our, our our running backs coming back. We still don't know about the coach. So let's focus on on Blake Corum. What we know um, that's huge for Michigan. Now, I I have said I'm okay with him leaving because I like Edwards as the number one. But when we see the lack of depth that we had at, in the running or in the running back room, um, when we're handing off to Mullings instead of uh, Gash or or Stokes. Who, Stokes and stuff like that, because we trust him more, that's a problem. Um, so I like the fact that he's coming back just for the sake of of the depth. And and it seems like Edwards and and Corum kind of. They have a really good relationship, at least on the surface. Um, so I don't think it's going to cause any friction between the two. Uh, and it's obviously a good thing for, for Michigan. I mean, Huge. that's kind of where I'm at. Is It's it is what it is. Um, I would have been okay with him leaving just because I like Edwards a little bit more, I guess, for, from a prospect standpoint and NFL body, if you will. Um, but I, I, lo- I love the fact that we're getting somebody back that, Probably should have been at the Heisman ceremony uh, if he didn't get hurt. So, uh, what are you guys' thoughts about Corm coming back? I, it, it's nothing but good. I mean, as long as you know Donovan doesn't decide to go somewhere else if he, you know, seeks that spotlight. So, I mean, if he decides to stay, which I think he should, and I think he's going to. I don't I think, think he he's going to have any problem, you know, kind of back there with Corum. But it is going to be pretty dangerous coming out of that backfield if they both decide to stay in the offensive line you know stays in tip-top shape so nothing yeah but good. you know i even heard today that some people are talking about zinner he might come back um there's another uh, offensive Hayes lineman or keegan yeah like there's they might all come back other than the center basically is what it sounds like um at least based on what i heard i don't i i didn't see that myself but it's just what somebody mentioned on the radio yeah um so that would be huge and and it sounds like they've Already cleaned up in the transfer portal, uh, develop, developed offensive linemen already, so that's good. Um, and if Michigan can be that school that wide receivers come to 
um, to put up some big numbers. That I think that's a good thing. You're not going to get the wide receivers at this point with the way that the play calling has been going. So be running back you and you know, build that way. I'm okay with it. I think that's how you can compete in the Big Ten. And then I think your quarterback and wide receivers are good enough. So, I mean, I, I, I like the fact that, that that's how they're building to play, to play the football. Um, but I also am excited for when we can – Start throwing the ball around, getting the high end wide receivers, and and kind of get that flashiness, if you will. Yeah, you, you know what's interesting about that though. Um, so Donovan Edwards this year was supposed to be like the lightning to Blake Corum. Yeah, Blake Corum was the lightning to Hassan Haskins. So we're only a, a year removed from Blake Corum being the the back out of the backfield that would catch passes and and like spread out the field and doing all that stuff. People forget there was a question mark with him going into this season whether or not he was going to be good enough between the tackles. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't I didn't share that concern. I knew what kind of runner he was, um, especially after seeing how jacked he got in the off season. <laughs> but that that's what we can expect is I think the versatility. If both of them are healthy, man, you you can use him in any way. We saw a lot of Blake Horn up the middle and you know just how sneaky he is in his moves. We can use him as that spread offense. You know, go out wide, beat beat the linebacker in in the passing game, and you could do it for either one of them. They could both be a slot receiver for Michigan. I really truly believe that. Yeah, Absolutely. Edwards could could do something like that as well. Um, and then the Harbaugh stuff. So it sounds like he uh, had a Zoom meeting interview slash type thing with the Broncos. Um, it sounds like a couple other teams have reached out to him um, as well. So we'll see kind of how that goes. Uh, I don't think we need to get into like our anger side of it. Um, I think the most frustrating thing about it is is the Broncos, obviously, is the one that he he interviewed with, right? And they're also looking to interview Sean Payton, and they can't interview him for another week and a half, based on what I've heard. So, are we going to be sitting here waiting a week and a half to see if Sean Payton wants this job before Harbaugh makes a decision and and fully commits to Michigan or, or something like that? Once yes. again, poor timing. It's just it is. And the fact that we're coming off two Big Ten championships and we're struggling to recruit is is frustrating, very frustrating. Um, not that I think we're ever going to com- compete with Ohio State and Georgia and, and Alabama with recruiting, but it should be better than it is. That's the frustrating thing. Um, I agree. And it's, hurt, it's hurting. Um, so, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on, on what's going on? It, it, well, it's it's not good. It's 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 open ended. It's ridiculous. Um, like you said, coming off of two back to back Big Ten championships. I mean, it's <laughs> I I I just don't know how you don't put a kibosh on it one way or another. Like I I, I guess he did last year. You know, I'm going to be oh, back. Yeah, he he said he would never explore. Blah blah blah. He wouldn't explore the, the that pros again. That was a one-time thing he said, right? And uh, apparently not. Now, don't you think you can take him at his word right now, what, what he's going through, where he says, like, I expect to be back in Michigan. Um, he came out and said, you know, like, this time, you know, this year, I, I am going to I'm expect to be with the team. But you do never you, know what think, the future holds. Well, yeah, but do you think any of that background stuff that's going on that we obviously don't know about, do you think it impacts what's going on? So, so Michigan, are they reaching out to to Harbaugh and trying to keep him? Are they going to restructure his contract because he had to restructure it the opposite way and lose some money and take a pay cut? Well, he restructured are they going it last they, year, didn't he? Are they going to bring this back long term? They're going to compete with the big salaries in NCAA. 
uh, are these sanctions that are coming down, Are th- is this going to re- greatly impact the program? Like, does he want to st- see this thing through until the sanctions are, are going to go away? Or mm-hmm. is there something legitimately the, uh, that he has to be concerned about that comes out, comes to light? I, yeah. I don't know. I, it, I'm sure all of that plays into this decision. He's being coded with his messages. And yep. if he, he says he expects to be back in Michigan, he probably does. But leaving room for, you know, something to happen. Yeah, so he's not Nick Saban and say, I'm not going to be the Alabama coach next year. And then he's the Alabama coach. Doesn't yeah. want to do that. Right. Um, now, another thing that I was just like, and I, I'm, I'm fighting myself on this because who am I to say he shouldn't be exploring other options? <clears throat> like, if I was exploring another job and my my boss found out, I would hope that he would understand. Yeah, I want to get paid more. I want I want to grow. Like, I don't think there's... That might be a bad example. Yeah, but, this is not but, the forum to do that. But like, yeah, that's true. They don't listen anyways. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but it's like, wh- why Why am I sitting here as a Michigan fan be like, no, nope, you need to be all in or get out of here type thing. Like, that's not fair for me to, to have that perspective. And I think that goes with any, any profession with these guys. Like, better his life, make him happier, and I'm going to get all you know, mad about it? No, that's just that's just silly. Now, another thing that I don't like about it that I was thinking about is the half in, half out is going to continue. So even if he does decide to go to the NFL, he's still young enough to always have, so we go find our new coach and it's going well and has a couple bad years and it's like going, well, what if Harbaugh struggles in the NFL? In two years from now, our new coach has something rolling and now it's like, all right, well, now we get those whispers. Does Harbaugh want to come back? Does Harbaugh this? Like, the half in, half out right now, it's going to continue even if he's in Michigan or he's at, in the NFL because there's still that possibility of him to eventually come back to Michigan. And I don't want that either. Like, I want to, like, move. I want to move. I want to find our Nick Saban that's, like, there's no rumors of him going somewhere else. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It's just something I've been tossing, tossing around. But that is what it is, I guess, at this point. Last thing we want to talk about. This is going longer than I thought, but is what it is, right? No big deal. Detroit Tigers. Don't want to go too deep into it. Um, we haven't talked about them at all uh, really since they hired the new president. Um, and he made two, I don't want to say big moves, but two moves that um, make some noise. So the first one was trading Joe Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the one most recently, I think it was this weekend, he traded Gregory Soto and uh, Cody Clemens. Yep. Now, Without diving too deep and getting too nerdy and stuff, uh, it, it's it, as the fans, it really sucks. It's like we were already went through this, and we knew we were gonna have to go through it again, um, because it was failed so miserably by by Avila. Um, but it's this just feels like the rebuild of the rebuild of the rebuild in a way like i feel like this is the third time (laughs) right now that we're hitting reset and here we are again it's just it really sucks that we're giving away these proven bullpen arms before the season even starts maybe getting not enough i I don't know like all that but i guess perspective on the on the tigers real quick ryan then we'll we'll kind of go from there yeah so the three players you mentioned two bullpen arms and one not good enough to be a major league everyday starter um so basically essentially two bullpen arms for three to four full-time players that'll impact the game inning after inning after inning full full innings so that's the difference and so when we're when we're trying to evaluate this stuff the teams we're trading with they might need that arm in the bullpen because it's it's what's going to bring them you know 
to the to the next level or compete in the playoffs or whatever. For us, we're not we're not at that point. And we weren't last year. We were kidding ourselves. We had key injuries and everything. But what we did is address some major holes in our team, which is young hitters that are flexible enough and have are are good enough athletes to play all over the field. And so we don't know what we have yet with Torkelson. Is he going to be a third baseman, first baseman? Um, I you know I think I'd like to try him out at, at third just to keep him an athlete early on in his career. But we we don't know all of the ins and outs of these young guys at this point. Um, is Riley Green a better right fielder than a center fielder? Maybe. Is he a better left fielder? Maybe. I don't know. But what what we need is to get younger, more athletic, and you'll also see a trend. I'm already seeing a trend with this new regime. What they care about with their hitters is dominating the strike zone. So we got rid of of pitchers that do not throw strikes on a regular basis. That was important to them to throw as much to throw strikes, fill up the zone. So some of these pitchers that we also signed in the offseason, um, rule rule five draft mm-hmm. uh, guys that we got that we got was that was mostly a you know that was a left handed pitcher if I'm remembering correctly, but it uh, high high strike zone percentage. So hardly ever walks anybody. So that was really key to him and a high strikeout rate too. And then the hitters, high walk rates. And then when they do make contact, they, they have a high uh, percentage of, of getting hits. Okay. So guys that have really good exit velocity off their, off the bats, but then they, they win the strike zones. So that's what we saw in, uh, from this giant's, teams in the past is they're they're trying to win the strike zones and then you, you know their team turned around really quickly yeah so uh, that same mentality is coming back to detroit and and i think it's a good thing i think it's a no-brainer trade the best assets that we had on our team coming out of last year are the relievers yeah we're not going to hold on to these guys long term that's yeah. not how you win that's not how you create a winning franchise is through the relievers no now it's great to have relievers but those that's where you had your assets Sell them off, especially the key guys that are not going to like Joey Menes. I'm sorry, he's 30 years old. Yeah, he's not the young guy that we remember that we're like hoping he turns around. He had a great year statistically. Yeah, one great year statistically. One Soto. If he was in a real situation where we were going to impact the season, are those walks going to come back and haunt you in the postseason? There's a good chance. Yeah. Yeah. Because postseason baseball is different. So you get somebody that's consistently in the zone. Yeah. So I, I have no problem with it at all. I think the Tigers got better and dramatically better. I really do believe that because these guys are ready to get their chance. They're all 25, 26, 27 years old. They're ready to go to the next level, and they're fairly high-end prospects. Yeah, and, and you added quantity. That's the biggest thing is it looked like our prospect pool was getting very, very small. The qual- the quantity of, of MLB players in the minors and stuff like that was not there. We had none, basically. Mm-hmm. Everybody that was supposed to be up was already up. Um and like really, there was no chance. Like it was just getting bad, like worse and worse. So you trade one guy, you get four. You trade another guy, you get three. Whether they're going to be MLB players or not, you need to fill your teams. You need to get quality players from the bottom up. And whether they're going to be MLB guys or they're going to be everyday AAA guys that just make everybody else better as well, that's a that's a good thing to do. It we, really is, especially we got, where we are in a rebuild. We're we're literally hitting reset. We've gotten we've had three out of these trades. The four players that I know about out of these trades, three of them are guaranteed major league players next year. Like we got guys that are going to contribute in the majors. Okay. That might not be superstars. They might be role players or or I don't know journeymen eventually or something, but. 
those guys are valuable. Mm-hmm. You you need those, and, and it really is a depth thing. Absolutely. We needed more people, especially the bats, and he's specific. He specifically said in the offseason going into it that we needed a left-handed infielder and we needed a right-handed outfielder and certain things, and, and you look, these guys that we got, they're they're really athletic. They can all play outfield. They can all play infield. They can be versatile. They They have major league innings at first base, third base, corner outfield position, center field. Like There's legitimate – versatility there a bunch of don kelly's and don kelly was good for a good team it's gonna be a long summer i think but hey maybe they'll surprise us drinking craft beer having fun and talking sports in the state of michigan you're listening to state of my sports we're not even in we're not even off the first sheet yet Oh boy! What's going on? Oh boy! Good thing we What's don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start with the Detroit Lions, or start. We're going to talk about the Detroit Lions before we get into the game, um, like the Detroit Lions game. Let, let's discuss what happened heading into the matchup. Obviously, the the important game the Lions fans were, were keeping an eye on. Uh, the Lions needed the Rams to beat or tie the Seattle Seahawks to make the Lions Packers game a complete win and in. Um, the Seahawks and the refs did everything they could to not allow that to happen. I uh, don't want to dig into the, the that game in particular. Uh, we don't need to break it down the way we break down the Lions games and stuff. Uh, but the results—that's really the biggest thing. The Seahawks uh, pulled on, pulled out uh, by the skin of their teeth, 19 to 16 in overtime after Baker Mayfield underthrew Van Jefferson on a wide open play, uh, and of course. Former Lion Quandre Diggs is the one that intercepted it. Seahawks went down and kicked the game, winning 32-yard field goal to basically erase all of the Lions. Well, yes, to erase the Lions' hope of the playoffs. It was an emotional day. It really was. I, I didn't watch anything at 1 o'clock because I knew that I was going to be so heavily in, invested in the actually we did watch a little bit when at my parents but um it was annoying so heavily invested in in the Seahawks uh Rams game um it's just like and it was looking good the Rams the Rams were were the better team for a lot of that game not that they were good or anything but they had a lead um i think they were up 3 for for a really good chunk of that game um and it really was was looking like it was going to going to land the right way and then the Rams had had multiple opportunities to extend that lead even and they never did and Baker Mayfield had a lot to do with that he didn't play good and I thought there was some questionable play calling and stuff like that um but also the you know the 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 refs it is just it is that is probably the last taste of same old Lions getting screwed by the refs in a game that they're not even in because that was one of the worst officiated football games I have seen it this year in, in football it was awful it was so bad and like some of the stuff that happened so obviously the 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 bs penalty on the punt that roughing or the, it was a running into the punter yeah the <laughs> i've never seen that late a, a punter fall down that late and get a call period and and they were losing the game at that point. Yes. So yeah, I don't know exactly how much time was left. Um, there was probably like four minutes left. I want to yeah. say. Yep. Uh, it was a three and out. They had them at fourth and three, I think it was, and they were going to punt it to to the Rams for a great chance to to ice the game. And <laughs> the Rams player literally got pushed into the kicker well after the punt was gone. Like it wasn't even close. The punter does his little dance, falls down. They discuss it. 
And then they still do the penalty. I'm just like, yeah. of course, that screws the lines over. That is the drive that the Seahawks went down, tied the game, and eventually forced overtime. The definition of roughing the uh, you have two you have two penalties against the punter, right? Roughing the or the punter or running into the punter. Yep. So they the definition of running into it is that you don't allow the punter both feet so he can land safely. So roughing is when they just you know get lit up and they shouldn't have been lit up. Yeah. But they called running into even though the the guy was already had two feet on had the two feet on the ground made a football move to get out of the way ran into somebody falling down in a normal football play yeah. and then fell over himself. It was just much just as much punter running into the them it, than the running into the punter. It was awful. The guy who was closest to running in or roughing the kicker didn't even hit touch him like he was off to the side. And then this random ram starts rolling into the picture, and he gets a penalty <laughs> called against him. It was so bad. It was so bad. And then, like, I, that was bad, right? And I, I, I thought it was the wrong call. And then Dean Blandino comes on. Yep, that's the bad call. That's a bad call. And then I'm like, wow, they, they might really want Seattle to win this game. And then later on, when Seattle got the ball back before the end of regulation, there was the the uh, late hit by Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Like, what was that? Jalen Ramsey's standing outside, like, on the sideline, basically. In the white. In the white. Uh, Geno Smith is running, literally runs into Jalen Ramsey, who was already standing there, falls over, does his little, his little dance, acts like he's hurt. Off- <laughs> gave him another 15 days. They, they were almost won in regulation because of that call. They eventually missed the, the field goal, which was awesome. But, like, that call was absolutely... Gino wasn't even out of bounds when he got hit. <laughs> That's another good He point. had, like, a pinky toe on the white line. Like, he was in the field to play. There was no whistle yet. It yeah. was too fast. This this was just literally he was in the way of being like, oh, geez, I thought you were going to run out. Like, yeah. i got to give you a shoulder yeah. to protect, number one, protect myself, but also you're still playing football. Mm-hmm. Like what was Gino doing? Yeah, and then DK Metcalf, like, tries to poke Jalen Ramsey in the eye. Yeah, pushes him. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Like it was so obvious what they were doing. They were and they were was, getting the Seahawks. I was. What they were trying to do is get the Packers there. Yeah, I agree. They were trying. I agree with that. To discourage the Lions from winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's an old. That's like a uh, three or forty chess type thing. But. Yeah, I was. <laughs> Like these officials are working hard. I turned over a new leaf this year. Like I didn't, I didn't get angry about any NFL stuff. Like even when that happened, I wasn't angry. I was just like, all right, it is what it is. Like I just moved on, and I was like, all right, I'm going to hockey now because I wasn't going to go to my hockey game unless. The, <laughs> so I went to my hockey game instead. So I was like, all right, blew off some steam there. But wait, so you didn't watch the lines? I did. I had it on on in the bench, and then I watched the second half, and then I went back and rewatched the first half. Oh, okay. So yeah, I did did watch the Lions, but that was how it all started. You and said then, you said you didn't get mad watching. I I want you know how those commercials they have like the challenge flag, the red the red thing. I'd love <laughs> yeah. to see that. Well, I would want to like, challenge you here. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what what game it was that I made. I think it was the before the Bills game. I decided all right, they're probably gonna lose this game, but I'm not gonna let it change my mood for the rest of the day. And I made that decision, and honestly, I think I've done a good job with that. Outside of the Michigan game uh, against TCU, that that was that was a rough one to recover from. But I don't know; it, it's it's easy to do that when you go eight and two down the stretch, too. So yeah. like, I, who knows? It feels but, better. Yeah. So, uh, but I did want to get into the game uh, for the Lions. Uh, 
like we wanted it to be the get the win and get in for both teams. Uh, it ended up being uh, just a playing game for the, for Rodgers and the Packers. So the Lions, as the spoilers, went into Lambeau and beat the Packers twenty to sixteen to eliminate them uh, from playoff contention. The first half was was all about the kickers, uh, with Crosby hitting a twenty two yarder, forty nine yarder, and forty eight yarder for the Packers, and then Bagley hit a thirty two yarder and missed a forty six yarder. And then well down 9-3 with a minute 16 left. Goff led a very nice drive starting at the Lions' 15-yard line and got down to the Packers' 15-yard line. So from 15-yard line to uh, their 15-yard line for Bagley to kick a comfortable 33-yard field goal. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to talk before we move on from from that drive and, and like the, the field goal. What in the <laughs> what, – what did we watch with that – what's his name? Razul Douglas? Yeah. Is, is he the one that – that did it? Yeah. So, like, Strange, Lions... Strangest thing. First of all, the, all right, the the clock management in that was, was, wasn't was pretty, in, in my opinion, for the Lions, but it ended up working out. They had, what was it going to be a... So it ended up being 33, so it was going to be a 48-yard attempt. Did I do that right? Um, And they're, like, lined up, and I think, was there a timeout? Is that what happened? I think the Packers called timeout, and then this Raul guy, or Razul guy... Comes and like just <laughs> swats the ball away for for no reason. <laughs> I've never seen that before in my life. Like just casually, it was Dude, so the, funny. The fact that he walked out there, I'm like, he knows a role that I don't. It's <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I said. I'm like, okay, tell me he didn't make some moronic move. But of course, so I what I don't even know what he was doing. I was in the locker room with that, so I didn't have like good sound, so I didn't know what they were all saying and stuff, but. It sounds like that wasn't the penalty. It should have been because he swatted the ball. That should be delay of game. Yeah. Um. But I guess he got the penalty for like hitting a line after the fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, acting like an idiot. That was bonehead play number one for the Packers. We'll get into bonehead <laughs> yeah. number two, which is, it's just, I, it was so fun. If you haven't seen it, you got to look at it. I was hoping to get the clip on here, but I it's don't. Hilarious. It was, and then just, it turned into a chip how, shot for the yeah. For the just lines. how casually he walked up and like. <laughs> it's the ball. I was like, okay, all right. and then just <laughs> well, with that weather too, I'm like that makes it a lot. Yeah, easier. I mean, he missed he missed a 46 yarder earlier, yeah. and then he had a 48. Like, I don't really trust him that well to Nobody make does. these field goals. <laughs> so, um, hopefully, Let's Moody's, the, Moody's next year's kicker. Hopefully, um, anyways, made the field goal. Lions trailed nine six heading into halftime. Uh, but I'll score the Packers 14-7 in the second half. That included two Jamal Williams touchdowns to set a new Detroit Lions record with 17, which passed Barry Sanders. Pretty cool there. Uh, Kirby Joseph intercepted Rodgers again with three minutes and 27 seconds left and finished in victory formation on the Packers' six-yard line after a clutch fourth-and-one pass to Chark for their third straight win over the Packers and got to watch... Aaron Rodgers walk off into the sunset. Hopefully, right? He's, he might be done. So you never, you never know, right? You never know. But man, you truly never know. It really, <laughs> lo- yeah. He said that, right? But well, let's start there. We'll just real quick with 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 Rodgers, the way he walked off the field with was it Lazard? Is that who? Or Cobb, no, Cobb. Cobb. It looked like he was done, didn't it? Like it looked different than it has ever before. He's like even Jameson Williams asked for his jersey. He goes, no, nope, I think I'm going to hold on to this one. And yeah. he already promised him it, the jersey and stuff like that. Um, just it, it felt different. What, what are your what are your feelings on his feelings? Like, what do you think is gonna happen with Rodgers? Real quick, you have a. Um, I don't really have anything to say about how they walked off. 
I thought him actually walking off from Soldier Field last time was weirdly different. So I actually took more from that than him walking off of Cobb. So you took you took it that. So two okay, games the Roger, ago. The two Rogers, games ago. Or the, the Soldier Field one. So you're saying you think based on the way he's walked off on Soldier Field is eye-opening that he, he might be done. And he was kind of soaking it in. I mean, yeah, ready, might, ready might to be make done. I mean, you know, he he's a guy who has made an enormous amount of money in, in his career. And he has, he stated in his post game that, you know, when someone asks, could you really walk away from that much money left on your contract? And he goes, yeah. I mean, he doesn't need it. Sure, would $50 million be pretty sweet <laughs> for a year? Uh yeah, it'd be pretty sick, but he doesn't need it. Yeah, what is he going to spend his money on at this point? Like he, he, the shirts that he wears don't—they don't cost any money. <laughs> right. the, 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 I don't even know what it is. Like the circle hoop thing. Man, he just looks but, like a tool. But I mean, Brittany, Brittany said he started crying when he thought the camera was gone. So, oh, no. so she's saying like he thought the camera was already gone. He was crying, but then the camera found him crying. In I the, didn't see that in the tunnel. I don't know. With Cobb? Because he did push the camera away. I did see him push that camera. Yeah. Yeah. Jillian just, Jillian thought it was an awful move. And I was like, I mean, it's whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, Rogers isn't known for awful moves. So I don't know. It's usually class, class, class. Anyways, Jared Goff went 22 of 34 for 224 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Jamal Williams, 16 carries for 72 yards. A lot of those in the second half. Um, That was Really big in, in the fourth quarter. Really alone. big. Um, two touchdowns. DeAndre Swift, six for 25. Uh, Khalif Raymond led the, the Lions with four catches and 66 yards, while DeAndre Swift, seven catches, was 61 yards. So uh, nice to see Swift getting some getting some touches there, a little more there on in the air. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, six for 49, and obviously, like we said, no, touch, no touchdowns. Uh, DJ Chark with the big one. He had three catches for 14 yards, but that really big one on fourth down was was pretty cool. The way yeah. that they, they, they designed that I'm up. I'm glad they went to him. I am too. It was, it was nice to see. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. There, uh, there was also the Jameson Williams touchdown yeah. called back for a good, for the right call. Like I'm yeah, not saying yeah, it wasn't yeah. a good call. Yep, it was def- definitely, definitely a holding. <laughs> um, Aaron Rodgers uh, in his final final game of his career, 17 to 27 for 205 yards, two touchdowns, and his very last career pass will be an interception to Kirby Joseph. So that's kind of cool, right? You didn't even predict that one last week. You went through all kinds of stuff, and, and pretty much true, but you could have gone one farther. Last throw, last throw <laughs> in his career, I, yeah, sure. interception, I'm Kirby sure. Joseph, the rookie gets it I think it again. I might have said he would die on the field maybe in one of my <laughs> predictions. But wow. I, did, I, I think I did, didn't I? I think you did. It's morbid. Yeah. You should have gone back to just being making it personal. Like Aiden's going to get him twice. Kirby's going to pick him yeah. off. Was, did I say Aiden would get it? No, I think I'm, I saying, did I'm say just giving Aiden you a recap of what happened. Anyways, <laughs> uh, one thing that I think happened that was interesting was was Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. That was back-to-back games that they didn't really get big numbers on the ground against Lions. So Aaron Jones, 12 um, carries for 48 yards. Uh, A.J. Dillon, 9 carries for 33 yards. It's not, like, awful by any means, but not the, the big name or the big-time um, yards that, that they – are, are used to getting, I guess. And against the Lions, that's that's kind of the MO. And I feel like the Lions kind of designed their defensive game plan. It's kind of like, Rodgers, please just beat us. We want you to be the one to beat us because we can't let your your running backs beat us. You can't, we, because that's the way that they are. Like, as soon as that running game gets going, you get play action with, with Rodgers, you get the, the farther passes and stuff like that. Um, and I, I thought the way that they shut down the run was, was a key part of, 
of controlling this game, really. I don't think it was uh, one of those games that the Lions lucked out. I don't think it was like, oh, the like the Lions really dominated that football game in, in a lot of ways. And I know, in, like, the Packers wide receivers let Rodgers down multiple times in that game, and I think that was that was a big part of it as well. Um, but the Lions, like, when, when you talk about the – the the first interception that Kirby Joseph had that they had to take away because of a hands to the face, which whatever. Um, and then the hold that, yeah, it was a hold, but do you take a seven points off the board as well? Like the Lions really played a really good football game. Yeah. And it wasn't that the fact that they played spoiler better and they were pulling out all the tricks and stuff like that. It was, no, they walked into there saying we are the better team and we proved it again. That's the way I looked at what the Lions did on on Sunday, and you listen to to all the national guys, and and they're just talking about how oh the Lions played spoiler, the Lions did this, and no, the Lions were the better team this year. They had well, the better quarterback this year. Still played spoiler. You should be happy about it. No, I, I am. I love it. I'm right. just saying. I'm just saying. Like national media looks looks at it as the Lions played spoiler. That was what what, what it was all about. No, the Lions were the better team. Period. End of story. This season. They were better than the Packers. And it wasn't a, oh, we're going to go in and play spoiler. It was, no, we're going to go prove that we're the better team this year, and we are the better team. That's the way I looked at it. I thought I thought you've seen a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes from Aaron Rodgers or, and, and also not taking advantage of some moments. And, yeah, his receivers let him down here and there. And he definitely said that in his post-game conference, news conference saying, yeah. yeah. He blamed his receivers? Well, he said Devontae Adams was greatly missed, basically. That he, like, how are we going to fill his shoes? He's one of the best, which is, yeah, he is. Yeah. So it's a true statement, which is also kind of throwing your current group of wide receivers, um, you know, under the bus. And, and like the throw to, to Romeo Dubs, could it have been better? No, it was a perfect throw. The, the second one that he dropped. It wasn't even a drop. He didn't know it was there because there was such good coverage. Jerry Jacobs was running stride for stride with him. You couldn't even down the sideline. Down the sideline, yeah. Oh, he knew it was there. Dubs. He couldn't see the ball. the The defender was head was literally in front of his face. It was so perfect coverage. It was a perfectly thrown ball. Couldn't have been better. I I will agree with that. Uh, But but again, like that throw. Maybe if it was Jeffrey Okuda at the beginning of the season or last year or something like that, they're just getting beat on those types of plays, and they couldn't compete. Well, this year we had guys that were running stride for stride. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, both both things can be true. I thought that you know the the first um, lack of touchdown, the first red zone appearance for the Packers was huge when the Lions got the stop. Mm-hmm. It was also like I don't know if it was a boneheaded play or just a uncharacteristic weird throw that Aaron Rodgers made, but throwing behind your receiver so drastically in the red zone when you could when you, you could have chosen to w- whether run it in or just yeah. throw it. Yep. And he and he like missed him by feet, you know? Mm-hmm. That was just yep. uncharacteristic. So I think what we're really seeing and and I'm trying to be a little bit devil's advocate here, but I truly believe this too. The changing of the guard is more to do with I think Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the ability right now at his age to be a superhuman quarterback like a Patrick Mahomes and and Allen to dominate a game by himself. He can't do it anymore. When he runs, he's not getting away as quickly. He can't maneuver his way around a pocket and always get away and always escape like he used to. Mm-hmm. He Correct. can't make the throw last second without winding up and doing all this stuff. He can't make it perfect every time. Yeah. Kirby Joseph got him twice. One of them was called back, but he got him again. Yeah. 
And and honestly, even on the the two Hutchinson sacks, those are plays that usually uh, Rogers on his way down just like whoop, gets rid of it. Not yeah. a sack. Doesn't take the sack. He usually does that. Now the and, one that Hutch that. just dominated him. He just beat him. He beat him straight up. Beat him on the inside move. That was a holding. And and Hutchinson's really good at not letting quarterbacks get by him. He's got that like hop, shuffle, steps, and jumps that he does really well to gain ground on the quarterback, but not lose an athletic ability to he's move right He's also got a lot of length on his arms. Uh, he's huge. Yeah, I mean, he's that, there's a reason massive. he was a second overall pick. Yep. So I think I think that one he was going to go down either way. But but the other one, it, that was almost Hutchinson taking advantage of the guard coming back and blocking him. He blocked him off the block, and then Hutch was ready to there ready there to take advantage. A lot of guys would fall down in that situation because two guys are pushing you. Mm-hmm. Hutch used it as momentum to go get the sack. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kirby Joseph got that interception on uh, Rogers' final career throw, uh, but then the Lions got the ball or had the ball for ten minutes and fifty eight seconds of that fourth quarter. They absolutely drained that game, and it, that was absolutely huge. Just the way that they controlled the ball. Um, I think they got a touchdown in that second in that fourth quarter. That kind of retook the lead after the uh, Packers kind of retook it after the Lions scored. It was just like, but to have the ball for almost 11 minutes of the fourth quarter, that is just, that is exactly what we want this team to be and what they, what we went in talking about them being able to do. It didn't look like they were going to do that this in this game. They just wore them out. And by that fourth quarter, they were able to pound the ball. They were able to do what they wanted. Did they put up a ton of points? No, but they controlled everything. They were in control. And I, that was really cool to see, in my opinion. And that comes back to winning the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Their offensive line is, is legit. They Real just are. Line is unreal. Penny Sewell does not get beat. Like, you don't see him getting beat. And when, when they run block and Penny Sewell goes down and Jonah Jackson comes back around and blocks the, the, the end on the outside, it works every time. Yeah. Like, every once in a while, somebody misses a linebacker coming, but those guys in the front don't miss. Mm-hmm. 60% of the time works every time. <laughs> this well, offensive line is top five, if not better. I, I, in my opinion, I, I think everybody in the national media is getting this one right. I think this is either the best offensive line in football, or there might be one other team, but nobody can come up with that other team. Yeah, they just don't want to say absolutely number one because it's the Lions. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, and then the final drive, I want to talk about a couple things there. So there was the 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 penalty. So Lions had it on. Well, actually, I, I'm I think I'm mixing these things up. So. The Lions basically needed a first down to win this game. They get down to whatever it was. They had, I think they actually got the first down, and then it was a holding penalty. So it pushed them back to, what was it, third and 22? Does that, does that sound right? Third uh, and second, second and third, yeah, 22. Second, second and 22, something like, somewhere around there. And then they did that hook and ladder type, type play. Quick throw, quick toss. That was awesome. That play call in that moment was was really cool because it did it looked like we were in a point that all right they're gonna get the ball back now because you're not gonna be, you don't want to throw the ball downfield to try to get this first down and then stop the clock for them and all that so it was a quick throw to uh, St Brown yep. and then he quickly tossed it back to uh, Swift and yep. then Swift just <laughs> boom took off uh, you had Sewell downfield just lighting guys up like it was such a well designed play it's a great design play man um, and then they they got to the to make it second and one or third and one second and one third third and one second and one so that was a no yeah because it was second and one because that's when they tried to jump off sides to give the Lions the free first down 
and oh, the Lions yeah. declined it. Yes, and then right. on second down they got the first down again. Yep. And then the final play of the game was the the fourth and one. Uh, well, another just they kind of rushed up. They saw a little confusion, snapped it quick, quick throw to to Shark, and and it was just it was so fun. And I was jumping up and down like it. By the time that game was going, I didn't care anymore what happened that we were going to miss the playoffs. It was, I want to win this game so bad. And I'm so glad that the Lions wanted to, too. Yeah. Because they could have. That could have been really deflating for a team. And the fact that they did it is just, and it did it against a team that wanted to make the playoffs, that was had the opportunity to make the playoffs, thought they were going to make the playoffs. It was almost written in stone, according to like some of the media people. And I think the Lions heard it. They talked about it. They made a montage about it uh, and, and showed it to the players. And they were ready. And it, it was it was fun. And I love the fact that they can do it to my least favorite team. I, I love it. it. We didn't make the playoffs, but that was the playoff game. Oh, it was huge. It was it was the we got them twice. Yeah, it was. The, it's <laughs> we're the reason. Oh, but we're the reason. We're the problem twice for the Packers this year. Yeah, we are the reason they did not make the playoffs. <laughs> you can say all you, all you want about what happened early on in the year. They had two opportunities to beat us. Maybe. The first one, it was like, well, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is never never going to have another, another game dud. like that. Yeah. yeah, like all those guys. I mean, you know, three three interceptions all against rookies on Detroit. Same old Lions. Like it's not going to happen again. And this time it was more convincing. It was, it and I'm not even saying we dominated the game because it was a competitive game. It was game. a competitive game, yeah. But it was, we had every opportunity in the world. This is why it feels so good. We had every opportunity in the world to turn it into a same old Lions moment mm-hmm. and then say, well, what didn't it didn't matter because of the playoff situation. We get a better draft pick and we could have all fallen into that same trap. But it mattered to them on mm-hmm. the field, and they didn't give up. Just like just like they didn't when it, when they were one and six. I mean, the unsung hero of this game is Isaiah Bugs. He had a great game. Dominated the line of scrimmage throughout, and the reason and the Packers did dominate the ball early on the ground. They mm-hmm. just weren't getting anywhere quickly, mm-hmm. and they they lost Sean patience. Elliott, they were getting three part. and four yards apiece every single run, but they lost patience with it, and it changed the game plan a little bit. That's that's credit to the Lions. Because Packers tried to dominate that ball, uh, the game on the ground, like yeah. Carolina did. They they couldn't do it because the Lions adjusted. They mm-hmm. were ready. Mm-hmm. They put those big guys out early on in the first, second down. Isaiah Bugs was out there a lot this yeah. game. It was awesome. So, look, I mean, yeah, I basically already talked about that. Oh. No, I mean, where, where I was going to end. So, do you want to talk more about the game? Well, I think it's so exciting that, you know, with the turnaround, and maybe we're going to get more into like a season thing. Some season recap, yeah. Oh, it's okay. On the show sheet. Next, next one. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm just excited for the that the fact that our young players that are making a legitimate difference in the turnaround of the team are all are all rookies. Yeah. They're second year guys, third year maybe, but I mean this is a young core. It is. It is. Um. So let's let's get into our season recap. Uh, the Detroit Lions started the season one and six, losing three of the first four games by three points. Or f- by three points. Can, or f- can sorry, I just ahead. interrupt real quick? Yeah. So I was really looking forward to the Packers conversation because I really wanted to know more of your perspective, Micah, and, and how this game plays out. Like, what what was going through your head as the game was being played? Were you confident that your team was going to pull through? Because they always do, especially against the Lions. No. No, I had, I didn't have confidence. I mean, before the game started, this, this was a – Straight up matchup like you started, you know, at the beginning of the season. Zeros on the board. That's how I felt. Yeah. Um, 
I think overall, I mean, it was, <clears throat> from my perspective, man, it was really, really frustrating to see my team absolutely mm, – <laughs> The defense has been really questionable and really bad all year, and so they, they show up and play an absolute dynamite game against Minnesota, which was really, really nice to see. So that that boosted my confidence. I didn't just think that, oh, you know, just because we took care of the Vikings, you know, this next game is going to be a piece of cake. That was, that was not the case. Um, yeah, Joe Barry's play calling has been super questionable all year. I want him gone, but right now he's not going to be gone. Apparently, that's that's a major mistake in the offseason already. I agree. Um, but to be as undisciplined as they were all game was absolutely pathetic. Oh yeah, we didn't even get into bonehead number two. Absolutely pathetic. So that was really dumb. Um, just they continued to shoot themselves in the foot all game long. Bad execution bad play calling in key moments and I mean they didn't deserve to win the game so yeah and, and why why doesn't Devontae Wyatt play more because he's <sighs> he seems like a stud he seems so because there's like, a veteran guy that has chewed up more time than Devontae Wyatt I think Devontae Wyatt will get a lot more time next year yeah. I mean I I don't see why not at this point I mean he is he's got everything it takes to sit up there on that same line with Kenny Clark, and they could be a problem. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I think the Lions what what they did really well is they understood a lot of that too. So they attacked the weaknesses where they thought there were weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And then we, we and you know we saw DeAndre Swift have a lot of catches there. Khalif Raymond led the team in receiving. They didn't attack these corners. They didn't they didn't waste their time attacking the schemes that didn't work for Justin Jefferson and, and hadn't been working in a, in a long time against the Packers. Right, right. Not that they're a great defense, like he said, but they did have strengths. And Lions did a good job of taking those strengths away or just attacking it in a different yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. But bonehead number two. Bonehead number two. Quay Walker. <laughs> what an idiot. Pushing a trainer. After what happened on Monday and the trainers like being praised for saving a life and stuff, and he's going to push a trainer. <laughs> It's trying to get to DeAndre Swift. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just... Stupid. It was so dumb. And I guess he's done it before. I, I didn't know that. I don't know. You tell us, On Micah. Sunday Night Football, like, earlier this year, they said, he pushed... I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he got, he got time ejected, he's been ejected by for... pushing... I think it was, like, a player that wasn't dressed or something like that last time, or another coach maybe on the sideline, but... I'm a moron. Yeah. yeah. Second time in one season. And and that's when, like, uh, Colin, Chris Collinsworth just, like... I can say I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Collinsworth can he's choking on, you know what, Rogers. He loves <laughs> yeah. him some Rogers. You know what? He's he's paid to. He's paid to because uh they, he pays his bills. Yeah, that's true. And and it's good for the NFL, so they they knew who they wanted to win. But I, I like that team actually. They were good. It, and that was the other thing about the the whole game and the excitement is this was our first primetime game. Yeah. We had every every reason to not play hard, and yet everybody was in it. They were just out there biting some kneecaps. For sure. Uh, so the season recap, the Detroit Campbell Lions soup, started the season 1-6, and six, losing three of the first four games uh, by three points to the Eagles, four points to the Vikings, and three points to Seattle. Uh, had a couple duds against the Patriots, losing 29 to nothing before the bye and 24-6 to six to the Cowboys after the bye. Um, and the people really started wondering you know, where the season was going to go. 
what's what's going on with Campbell? Is is if this really falls off, or, or, or is it time to move on? Uh, they lost another four point game to the Dolphins, but finished after that six or sorry eight and two uh, to finish the season nine and eight. Uh, six of their losses were two playoff teams, uh, while only three of their wins ended up being against playoff teams: uh, Giants, Vikings, and Jags. But like Ryan already mentioned, their two wins against the Packers uh, kept them out. Their Week 15 win against the Jets was was a crucial uh, playoff type game that both teams were trying to stay alive in the playoff hunt. And then early on in the season, their win against the Commanders ended up being the difference for them making the playoffs or not. So um, yeah, Com- competed you only, against you only Buffalo. Beat, yeah, you and you compete. Yeah, that's another good point. And honestly, you probably should have beat the Vikings as well. You were right there with the Eagles with a three-point game. It was a very competitive season. You get rid of those two duds, it's you're you're in every one of these games. Or really three duds when you count Carolina. Yeah, I count um, that one. And it was just it was the way that they bounced back from the one and six start is all I need to know about Dan Campbell and what what direction this this uh, organization's going. Um, they're ch- they've changed the the feeling in in Detroit. They have they've changed the the same old lines. It is gone. It is done done with. In my opinion, I'm no longer yeah I'm going to talk about it. But I no longer believe in it. I really think. The way Dan Campbell in this regime faced same old lines and talked about same old lines and said that that is what we're going to kill. Not, oh, well, that's the old lines. We don't talk about previous regimes. I just got here. It's not same old lines. This is a new thing. Like, no, they're like, we understand what you went through. The locker room understands. We are going to face it head on. We are going to kill that demon. You know what I mean? And I feel like this year, starting one and six, not letting that same old Lions continue to creep in and say that's going to be who we are too, they changed that. And the players did it, but, man, this coaching staff, because they've been there, done it. They're players. That's what this staff is. It is a player's staff. They're form, all, pretty much all formal player, f- players. This is way different than what you're used to. You're, you're getting guys that have been there, done that, know how to speak to these players when things are going wrong, talk them through it, got to – a point that they started playing really good football. And another another change, a, a quick point was when they were 1-6, I think they might have been 2-6 and six at the time, but Sheila Ford came out and said, I'm full, I'm full on board with their ideas. I'm full on board with Brad Holmes. I love Dan Campbell. I love what they're doing. I believe in it. And he when as soon as she came out and gave that extra trust and – got rid of all those whispers. Yeah, she got mocked for it. Detroit Sports was having a heyday. Oh, you're going to trust a guy that's 1-6 and six and whatever his record was before, like overall, she did. She believed in it. They It's gone. And what this team did is just, I, I just absolutely love it. Didn't Peyton go out there on the field and kill a curse or something? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah was, uh, the guy from Dumb and Dumber. What's his name? Jeff Daniels? Yeah, Jeff Daniels and uh, Peyton Manning did like a what do they call it? Exorcism? Like a, oh, really? Is that what you, is that what you call ritual? it? A ritual? I didn't know that. Yeah, they did it, it would on be like an exorcism, Peyton's Places. Peyton's Places or something. Oh, okay. It's like an ESPN show. I didn't see that. Yeah. I don't watch ESPN. They, like, what they did was they took like bourbon or something and put it in like a bathtub and then they like did something weird. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't watched it fully, but they did some kind of ritual to get rid of it. So, Are you happier Yeesh. with Brad Holmes this year or Dan Campbell this year? That is... An excellent, excellent question. Um, Dan Campbell. I'm going to go with Dan Campbell, too, but it's freaking close 
because we're going to get into the rookies and stuff here soon and, and kind of what Brad Holmes has built. But Dan Campbell had his back against the wall. It wasn't Brad Holmes that had his back against the wall and had to respond, in my opinion. It was 100% Dan Campbell. And that's he, – he surprised me a ton, honestly. He's not just the rah-rah guy anymore. He's smart. He knows what he's doing, and he can still speak their language. It is a really good mix, and I love what Ben Johnson did. I think you got to give him a lot of credit oh, because tons. he's the offensive coordinator and all that stuff. But top who five made, offense. Who made that change? Mm-hmm. And I still think Dan Campbell has a lot to do with these play calls and the timing of them and setting them up. I think he has a lot to do with it. I don't think he's just the the meathead anymore. I think he's he, there's a method to his madness. There's a method to what he says, and he he's the one that changed the team. Yeah. Brad Holmes couldn't do anything when they're sitting at one and six. Our offense, his hands were tied. He was like, offense, I can't do anything. This is your thing, and he went out and did. Brad, our offense Dan changed halfway through last year. That's when it changed when he made the the coaching decision to take the play calling away from our offensive coordinator yep. and he put it Anthony on himself. Lane. Yeah, and yep. then they and then he put. He made the point, right? Then they just ran the ball constantly because they didn't have Jared Goff to throw at that point. Yeah. This is I'm talking about last year, so I know it's like old yeah. business. But that's when we saw him step up as a head coach and say, "No, no, no, this is my responsibility. Yep. You aren't pulling your weight. I'm not going to let give you this anymore. I'm doing it myself." And then he also found his protege and said, "Hey, we're going to do this together. I want you to have a lot of input here because I have some weaknesses and I'm a head coach and I've got stuff to do." Yeah. So then he evaluated him throughout that process going to the off season. We still didn't know who's going to play uh, yeah, be the be play, play caller, caller going into week yeah. one. Yep. He gave it to Ben Johnson, and it was clearly the right move. Yeah, but that was still up in the air. So absolutely, he has a hand in it. Mm-hmm. They're doing this together. They. That's why I don't think Ben Johnson is at any risk of leaving at this point because he is still in his growth learning phase of this, and just as much. I mean, his success is tied to Dan Campbell. Yeah. Because what other coach is going to allow you to do a hook and ladder in third or second second and twenty two in in the middle of a game when you're winning? Like Dan Campbell is a little crazy enough to say yes to that stuff because he believes in it. He buys mm-hmm. in. He's probably one of those players that said, "Why don't we do more creative stuff more often?" Yeah. Um. And now he has the chance to do it. But I Brad Holmes to me year one when he said, "No, we're going to invest in offensive line, defensive line." Defensive line, two tackles back to back, and then he went more defense. And then he got Amon Ross St. Brown, who's like clearly won that draft. Yep. And, so, and then he was consistent through this year. Brad Holmes, I have I have trust, trust in what him. he's doing. Yeah. But Dan Campbell put it put it together on the field, and he quieted some people down for his on the field decision making, time of possession, all that kind of stuff. He he silenced a lot of people yep. second half. Um, preseason odds there to win the Super Bowl, they were plus fifteen thousand. Uh, to win the NFC, they were plus six thousand. To win the division, they were plus a thousand. To make the playoffs, plus four hundred. Over under wins was set at six and a half. Obviously, they went over that, so um, pretty cool there. I did want to have some comparison here from from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two. So the one that really stood out to me was was uh sorry third down conversions uh, last year they were seventy four of two. Two out of 213. This year they were 86 out of 211. So much much improvement there. Um, pretty solid. Total offensive yards, 5,484 to 6,460. Almost 1,000 yards more um, from season to season. Uh, that's awesome. A lot of that. Total rushing, uh, they went up about 300 or so 1,800 to uh, 2,200 almost. So that that's pretty good. Uh, rushing yards per play went up by a point. Point one, uh, so nothing crazy. But um, when you're running the ball a little bit more, that that'll that'll happen. 
a lot of one-yard runs too. I feel like because of the touchdowns. When you're getting Jamal Williams at one-yard runs, that'll hurt hurt your average a little bit. Um, sacks went down from 36 to 24. Sorry, like Goff getting sacked, the quarterback getting sacked. Yeah. Um, and then the they the sacks went up on the other side of the ball, 39 this year to the 30 last year. So that's that's also a huge step in the right direction. Turnover ratio was minus four last year, plus seven is how they finished this year. So um, pretty cool. Is there any number that really stands out to you that's like tells you what it is, or is it basically just the offense going up a thousand yards almost in over the course of a season? That that's kind of the biggest difference, if you will, um, from last year to this year. Uh, turnover ratio is huge. It is, yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Plus seven. Uh, that that's a good point because we we had that streak in the middle of the season that was leading all of football for longest most consecutive games of getting a takeaway. Um, I mean, I I don't know. I think it's it's uh, third down conversion um, definitely was way better this year. So we kept those drives alive, mm-hmm. kept the ball in our hands, and I think that our our you know some of these team stats over the course of a season are a little don't reflect when we started winning. So we had the worst defense in the NFL by a mile in the first half of the season, and then we climbed all the way back up. I think we finished like 20th. In overall defense? In overall defense. No. 21st? No, we're pretty much last Oh, really? In overall defense, yeah. Well, it's not just yards. I think it's um, points per game. Points per game and stuff? Okay. Yeah. And that so, might be the case. But, but, but yeah, I think, I think um, so what we see on the field – what we are excited about is the last stretch, the final 10 games. But all I'm saying is I guess yeah, these yep. stats, when you're comparing them, they're not going to be equivalent to uh, the historically bad start that we had to. Yep. Um, touchdowns. 54 touchdowns this year to 35 last year. That's it's huge difference. difference. Uh, only one less field – or sorry, two less field goals made. So, um, And the same amount of field goals kicked. So that's – I guess progress, if you will. But when you're scoring these touchdowns, that that's huge. Like you basically turned how many more scoring drives? Let's say so you had 20, 78 total scoring drives this year to what was that sixty one, sixty one to seventy eight. So bad at math, but that's seventeen. Pretty good. That was good at math. Yeah, seventeen more scoring drives this year in the same amount of games. That's that's pretty cool. Um, looking at Jared Goff's numbers, uh, last year he had 3,245 yards. Obviously he had some injuries. He was out a couple games. Um, but this year he had 4,438 yards. He threw every single pass for the Detroit Lions this year outside of Jack Fox, the, the punter. That's, a, that's huge. To have a quarterback play every single snap, basically, that's great to see. Um, Jamal Williams, huge part here. Last year we had DeAndre Swift at 617. He was our leading rusher, just ahead of Jamal at 601. But when Jamal Williams hits over 1,000 yards and, and Swift almost 600, that's pretty sweet. Having that duo right there, um, that's huge. And then Amon Ross St. Brown had a nice step up, 1,100 yards. Um, so pr- pretty cool. Just about, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, just some tackles. comparisons there. Tackles are interesting. Tracy Walker, Will Harris, Jalen Reeves may have been top tacklers last year. So the top two are safeties, and then we have a linebacker. This year we have Alex Anzalone, Deshaun Elliott, Malcolm Rodriguez. Now Deshaun Elliott's a safety, plays in the box a lot, mm-hmm. but two of the three are linebackers. So maybe we're catching those guys a little bit earlier <laughs> instead of getting to our last layer of defense right there. And Deshaun Elliott, 
Good player, man. Very good player. Really underrated. Really, he underrated was signing. He was a huge signing there. Um, but let's focus a little bit on Jared Goff. And I already talked about his numbers, 44, 38, 29 touchdowns. So yards, he was sixth in the NFL. Touchdowns, he was tied for fifth. Interceptions, tied with eight, tied for eighth. And, oh, or sorry, quarterback rating, uh, fifth-ranked uh, quarterback at 61.2. This isn't just a good season. This is borderline. Well, sorry. This is a really, really good season. Not a not a great season. You're not putting up Mahomes numbers. You're not putting up Josh Allen. I get all of that thing, that stuff. But when you're putting up these type of numbers in the NFL and taking care of the football, that's uh, he he was such a question heading into this year. And I I don't know where you're at on on the quarterback yet. Do we want to draft? When do we want to upgrade? He seems like the perfect quarterback for where we are at in our our build. You know what I mean? He's not gonna prevent us from winning. But he also might not let it. He might not lead us to a Super Bowl championship. But like that's kind of where we're at right now. We want to get take that next step. And his attitude, his chip on the shoulder that he clearly has from the way he was traded in L.A. and coming back with this type of season after last year was very very rough with all the losses and not great numbers, the injuries. To have this bounce back year is, I'm so happy for him because he's such a good guy and just. I don't think we have to address quarterback. We shouldn't address quarterback, in my opinion. Ever? <laughs> this year. In the draft. Oh. I mean... Like it, next year, though? Like, do no, you wanna... I, I don't... I would take it. I would, it depends on where we land. Well, I think I what you're want... saying is, is he the quarterback of the future? Did he do enough to then... That's what I'm asking. Yeah, not not have to go address this right now he's, with our He's no longer the bridge quarterback that I thought. I guess the bridge isn't as short as I thought it was originally. Now, if you can go if Bryce Young ends up falling to 5 and you want to take him to be my guest, I get it. Like if that's what you want to do, if they fall in love with somebody, but you don't have to take a quarterback. Last year or this time last year we were like, all right, who's going to be that quarterback in next year's draft? That's what we were already looking at. We were talking about it. And now that's kind of the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah. Is you do not have to take it. Period. And he's reasonably priced. I think he's $32 million a year. You have him locked up for uh, obviously next year and the year the year after, I believe. And you can also rework it. And he's never going to get the massive $50 million that we're seeing these star quarterbacks uh, demand right now. So he's paying, he's paid for what he's worth. And he's worth more on this team than he's is anywhere else in well, my opinion. This these, is this team's built for him. These stats my, are surprising opinion. me. So six overall, that means there are five quarterbacks that threw for more yards. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, and Joe Burrow. He beat Josh Allen. Um, Geno Smith had an amazing year, um, but he, he but had he, more but yards he, than him. He'd still be Geno Smith. He'd still be Geno Smith. He had more than Trevor Lawrence. He had more than Jalen Hurts. Now, I think Hurts had a better season. Yeah, different. Um, diff- yeah, different skill set there a little bit. But there are no other quarterbacks that even come close to having as the season that Jared Goff had. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about top 10 in the NFL type of quarterback that you would normally be debating whether Matthew Stafford was part of. Yeah. You know, yeah. like Rams, Matthew Stafford, this is this is that kind of a number right here, like just out of the top five. Mm-hmm. And that, that goes with touchdowns. That goes with interceptions. I, pretty, I'm not going to say elite numbers, but kind of uh, next level kind of numbers. Yeah. So I wanted to compare him to 2019 when they went to the, the Super Bowl um, with, with L.A. and the numbers he had there. So 
in 16 games, obviously, compared to the 17, but he had 4,600 yards. To this year, he had 4,400. Average, 7.4 per throw um, in 2019. 7.6 yards per throw, or probably per catch is my guess, is how the average works. So he's better there. Uh, In 2019, 22 touchdowns to 16 interceptions. This year, 29 touchdowns to 7. He's getting better. And he's still 28. Yeah, he's getting smarter. Like, I'm not going to go overboard and make him something he's not because I don't think he'll ever be that. But he's serviceable. He can get a team to that level. Well, you should give your offensive line some kudos there. I I give the offensive line kudos constantly. I, I, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, to those numbers, No, I, you're right. I, I highly doubt that the Rams' offensive line was as good as your offensive line is now. Probably not as good, but they were one of the best offensive lines because he had Gurley doing what he did, and he would, Goff obviously had time to throw the ball. No, but you're right. I mean, we talked about it last week for a long time. What have the Lions done this year different than last year? Well, they've really invested in – doing what Goff does well, building around what Goff does really well. So they have receivers that get separation. They can When they catch the ball, they keep on running. That Goff is great at that, leading your receiver. When he has a clean pocket, he throws just as good or an accurate of a ball as close to anybody in football. Um, those guys just keep going. So he's good at that. They're, he's great at the play-action pass. So they do a ton of play-action pass, and they invest in the run early so that to, to pull it off later on. Mm-hmm. And then they also invested in this offensive line to keep him – from having to create his own offense. He can stay on schedule. He can go from one to two to three to four without having that pressure in his face. That's how they designed this team. This is this is the San Francisco 49ers type of mold here that we're seeing. Yep. And I it's working. Completely. I agree. Um, so some of the things that we said heading into the year, about seven months ago we did a, a, a topic was our biggest fears in, in Detroit sports. And we talked about the Lions. And, Micah, you, you had a really interesting one, and I wanted to talk about it and, and see how we answered So. Basically, you said your biggest fear for the Lions was that history is going to repeat itself, that they're just kicking the can down the road. Brad Holmes, is it going to work? Dan Campbell, is it going to work? Did they hire the right guys? And honestly, at the 1-6 and six start, I was like, I'm right there. And honestly, when, in the moment, I completely agreed with you as well. I was questioning it. But here we are now. Campbell looks like he is more than the X's and or more than the, the cheerleader. He is a X's and O's guy. He's a he is pretending to be something he's not for the national perspective. He is something impressive in this locker room. He's got a, a an idea of what he wants to do and he's he's executing it. Brad Holmes, what he did in this draft, absolutely incredible. He's he's seems to be a guru when it comes to the draft. We'll see when it comes to free agency when they're ready to spend. They were 4-19 and 1 at one point this season. And they're they're this regime. 8 and 2 since. Did they fix everything? Is it pretty? No. That's a big change right there. I am I think they got it right this time. I really do. Now, how are they going to make it go to the next level? That is the question and we'll get into that um on a different day. But I'm 100% on board for, for these guys to have their, you know, six years that they, they sign a contract for because I think that they have the, the right idea. My biggest fear was the, the coach-GM relationship. We all know Cambo was hired before the GM. Usually the GM hires the coach. How is that going to work? It seems like it's working. What do you think about how that relationship starting to, to come together? It seems like they got it, right? Yeah. I, I, I bought in from the beginning just based on their character and what they were preaching, and then they stuck to their plan. It takes a lot of character to pass on the most talented guy 
that it, that looks to be the most talented guy in the draft, but then go and get the the character guy that you wanted. Yeah. The reason for the turnaround is because of the character guys they brought into the locker room that are going to buy into Dan Campbell and the message and and not think he's a meathead, but buy in. Mm-hmm. And buy into a rookie like Aiden Hutchinson coming into the locker room and acting like you know he is a, a leader because he is a natural-born leader. But it takes special guys to Jamal take Williams. that. Jamal Williams, exactly. Jared Goff, even a guy like that, to buy into what he's doing because he is more soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when you invest in your line – you you send a message to your team. But then not only that, they kept investing in their line. And then they kept investing in the same type of players that are hard-nosed, never give up. Uh, Brad Holmes said it as soon as he got hired. He said, we might miss on some players here and there in a draft, but we will never miss on a character, on the, the guy's character. We're not going to miss on the human being. And so that's, I think, come through really cl- clearly, which is the reason for the turnaround. These guys would give up in a normal situation. They're, they're not giving up. They didn't start chattering in the locker room saying, Dan Campbell's meathead. He doesn't know what he's doing. He, yeah. He's not an X's and O's guy. No, they said, you know what? If we do win our job, if we if we stick to the game plan and win the possess- possession and not have our missed assignments, it will turn around, and it did. They played such disciplined football over the, the last 10 games. Yeah, I mean it's it was it was awesome. It it really was. It's pretty cool to to see, you know, the way that it, it all played out. Um, some of the predictions we we went through early on in the year, uh, we set the floor at five and twelve, um, basically just on on the schedule. Um, it was a winnable schedule for the most part, and and they kind of cleaned up towards the end there. Um, and we put the ceiling at ten and seven, just one below that. That's that's exciting. That's something that we. Even the the most slappies weren't going to go much higher than that, and they were right there. And you could say that they let a couple of those games get away, and it could very well have been eleven win season, twelve win season. It's they were that close, and that's really exciting. Um, I predicted them to go. I, I I said eight or nine wins. I ended up going with eight. I was wrong. They they went above that. Um, and then we played our little schedule game, and we ended up having them at eleven and six with the coin flips and stuff like that. So that was all fun. You put the ceiling at ten and seven, and then had them at eleven and six. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And then uh, Jarrett did comment during that episode. He said the Lions will go six and eleven, start one and five. Mark my words. That was what he said. So he was wrong at six and eleven. Just wanted to point that out. Love. He's, he's right about the one and five. He was right about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, a little bit real quick rookie recap. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson was the second overall pick. Played 84% of the snaps, had nine and a half sacks. Uh, the over-under heading into the year was over-under seven. Um, and then also he had the th- three interceptions and two fumble recoveries. He absolutely cleaned up. He did a great job. There was questions in there um, if it was the right pick. He had the, I think, two-sack game. Um, I think it was game three, two. Three-sack game, game three, two. Yeah. So that has a, a big bulk, in it, bulk of it. But he was getting double-teamed early on. He was especially with the injuries and stuff that they went through early on, that there was nobody else getting to the quarterback, nobody else that they had to worry about. They were able to double-team a, a rookie, and obviously that's going to be tough on anybody, but he kept working. He, I think he worked through an injury as well. I think that has something to do with it. And to end up with, with nine, nine and a half sacks, I'm glad that he got rewarded with a, a I don't want to say gaudy number, but a, a was very respectable number with nine and a half sacks for a rookie year. I think he deserved it based on his work and – I don't know. He just kept kept going, and I, and I love that side of it. Definitely, out of all of the the pass rushers that that were taken early, he was 
the most productive out of all of them. Now, is he going to have the best career? Not necessarily, but for once it seems Spoken like Spoken like a Thibodeau guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we, got, right. we got the better one. Um, We got the better one this year for sure, and I love that. For good. For good. Thibodeau's not the same player. Nope. Well, I'm just – He's he's not he's not the same player. Um, with our 12th overall pick, we took Jameson Williams. He uh, played in six career games, only had one career catch uh, for a 41-yard touchdown. He had one career run for 40 yards. Um, didn't get in the end zone, but uh, he also had the 64-yard touchdown taken away from him on Sunday. Uh, obviously dynamic. Something was missing. Um, the chemistry injury. I don't know. He dropped. We'll he see. dropped a lot of passes. He there did too. drop some passes. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, he was rusty. Yeah. So we'll see how, how that pays off. Uh, it was more of a long-term pick anyways. that That's what it was. Um, so don't want to say – we can't really say too much about it. Uh, Josh Pascal, 46th overall. He played in 10 games, 16 tackles, and two sacks. Uh, Kirby Joseph, 97th overall, uh, 14 games played, four interceptions, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, and 82 tackles. Uh, one uh, – Tracy Walker went down. He started getting more snaps, and he did very well. Now, is he going to be a stud getting three picks every year or stuff like that? Maybe not. I'm not saying – but, like, he definitely went through some rookie issues as well. Yeah, like early he, on he, he looked, did. He looked lost at times. Um, but, man, that's a nice find right there. Third-round guy in a, a position of need. Someone that you need to, to match with the guy that you, you signed or re-signed with Tracy Walker that would have got paid – pretty dang good at, from any anybody mm-hmm. that's nice to see you find he's not gonna be the number one guy next year he's gonna be able to do do it differently and he's got the hands obviously he can he hits hard he plays really well um really good with his hands i think so the sky's the limit with him really nice find for a third round uh pick james mitchell fifth round 177th overall uh, 11 catches on 11 targets for 113 yards and a touchdown. Nothing crazy. Malcolm Rodriguez, sixth round, 188th overall. He played in 16 games, played 57% of the snaps, had 87 tackles, one sack. Look, I think the heading into the season, we were all really high on him because of the of hard knocks. And I think early on, he played really good football. He went through an injury that might have had something to do with, with somewhat of a, I don't want to say dip in his play, but just production. Um He's not an answer, but if he's going to be the guy off the bench, if he's going to be the number two guy at linebacker, that is great to see. And you found him in the fifth round, or sorry, sixth round, and look, he can play in this league. That's the biggest thing. And if you found a guy that can make a team in the sixth round, that's that's the first thing. And if you find a guy that proves that he can play in the league his rookie year, that's the second thing. It, it's a huge win to find this type of player um, and that type of pick. Rookie linebackers. I mean, that there's. I don't know if there's a, a harder spot to, that you're in. Maybe maybe cornerback, but it seems like rookie cornerbacks are just more. You, they can be more focused on just like man coverage, and they can you know use their athleticism. Linebackers, you have so much to juggle. You have that first instinct, you know, that kicks in, and the game is so much faster. They always talk about the game being so much more physical and how f- much faster the NFL is compared yeah. to NCAA. Can't just rely on your natural ability to just run around and make plays. You you get first rounders. I mean, we we've had plenty of first rounders, second rounders wasted on linebackers that don't pan out. Yep. So to get somebody that clearly belongs in the league, 
because he's fast. He adds a, another element yeah. as a linebacker. He's physical. He's not afraid. He's smart, too. He's smart. Yeah, he's yeah. in the right spot at the right time. In fact, he kind of got back to the how he started the season near the end, too. He was an impact player again, yeah. playing more downs. Um, to me, man, what a six, yeah, what a six-round find right there because he's a gem. He's yep. And he doesn't need to be a superstar. I, that's not what we need from him. Exactly. We need for him to fill his role with the linebacker unit and demand more of everybody else around him, just like we saw him in Hard Knocks. Yeah, yep. Uh, another six-round pick, 217th overall, James Houston. Um, in seven games played, he had in 32% of the snaps, uh, but had 11 tackles and eight sacks. A lot like Malcolm Rodriguez, in my opinion, where is he going to have this every year? Is he going to be a every-down guy? Is he going to play, have a really long great career i think it'd be silly to, to say that because he was a, a, a six-round pick for a reason and, and we'll see how he develops and stuff but like to find that guy in that moment the only thing that this does for me is it says all right we don't have to go get a depth guy in, in free agency mm-hmm. we might be able to let an aquara go we might be able to let charles harris go if the buyout is right save money spend it elsewhere that's what i think james houston brings is yeah obviously production with eight sacks but he just took somebody else's job, basically, and a, as a role guy. And if he can be a full time starter, I get that. Like I think we saw that progress as well as the season went on, um, towards the end there, like more percent of the snaps and um, not just a third down guy. Um, but just the fact that you were able to find another guy for, for the sixth round pick that's going to be part of this team, and it wasn't a waste. That's such a huge thing for this this. Lions organization to not waste picks mm-hmm. because it seems like we've constantly done that in our in our lifetime. Um, huge get, huge get. See, I I actually disagree. I think it's bigger than even just a huge get because he also brings a dynamic that we didn't have on as a pass rush unit. We had we had defensive ends that had to use their hands the right way or or bull rush or whatever. They're they're long, athletic. They can contribute in the run game, in the pass game, but we didn't have that pure pass rusher that could just flat out beat you to the edge, bend like crazy, and go get mm-hmm. a strip sack. And he's done that. He's done it that way. He's bull rushed too. He's beat it to the inside. He brings that element that that causes fear in third downs from from a quarterback. You know, at least checking your shoulder yeah. on the blind side just to make sure, see what he's doing, see when what he's, he's up the to field, over there. You need to know. Well, you need to know, exactly. Yeah. And he proved it. Yep. Because you do not have that kind of eight sacks, people don't get eight sacks. Charles Harris had led the team at seven and a half last year. Yeah. Eight's a good number. I mean, Green Bay just read what you just read. You he's got eight sacks in thirty two percent of the snaps. <laughs> that doesn't like, happen. Seven games, eight sacks. Correct. That kind of production is real. I don't think you can't fake that, in my opinion. And these aren't cheap sacks where there's some coverage stuff going on and yeah. coming back. No, L- go look at his sacks because he he he's could winning. he could have won a three count. Yeah. In some of those, like yep. he's fast, he's legit, he's a problem. The problem. There you go. <laughs> no, I mean, it, what a get. And and I don't remember if they traded for this pick. Something, I don't remember exactly how something tells me that they traded to get this pick, which means they thought there was just he was too valuable to give up to leave on the board any longer. Love that. Uh, defensively, they were last in yards per game with 392.4, third worst pass defense allowing 245.8 yards per game, fourth worst run defense at four, 146.5 yards per game, and fifth worst allowing 25.1 points per game. They did, however, have the fourth best turnover differential at plus seven with 22. Two takeaways, fifteenth least, um, but only fifteen giveaways. 
uh, on the season. Uh, it's a, it's a good recipe there. Um, look, nothing to write home about with this defense, but you're starting to see the 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 vision come through. You're starting to see players uh, perform, and you add a couple more. Like that's that's obviously the next part is is how you add them and and what you add. They got better when the rookies got on the field more. Mm-hmm. That does that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, offensively, fourth in yards per game with 380 uh, behind the Eagles, Bills, and Chiefs. Eighth in passing yards per game at 251. Eleventh in rushing with 130 per game. And fifth in the NFL with a 26.6 points per game, only behind Dallas, Eagles, Bills, and Chiefs. Arguably four of the best teams. Um, well, maybe not Dallas, but three very, very good teams. Um, heading into the playoffs here. Uh, the rushing side, obviously Jamal, we already said, went over 1,000. That's great. 17 touchdowns. Uh, he was the only running back to lose a fumble. Uh, he lost three or lost two, but fumbled three times. Swift didn't put the ball on the ground. Justin Jackson didn't put the ball on the ground. That's great. Um, Swift fought, fought through some injuries, only played 14 games uh, on 99 attempts, 542 yards, five touchdowns on the ground. And then you add on his 389 receiving yards, um, Pretty productive season. Nothing to nothing to get too excited about in the pants or anything. But it's it's when he's on the field, it's different. Um, so that's that's nice to see. Uh, the receiving Amon Ross St. Brown continued to to build uh, in 16 games, 106 receptions, 1100 over 1100 receiving yards, six touchdowns, um, 72.6 yards per game. That's that's impressive. And then I was shocked when I saw who our second leading receiver was, Khalif Raymond, with uh, 47 catches, 616 yards. Our second leading receiver, um, which is pretty crazy. Probably would have been Hawkinson if he's if he didn't get traded. Um, but DJ Chark, 11 games played, 30 receptions for 502 yards. Uh, so pretty good, 45.6 yards per game. Take that all day. So. Um, Good production. And one thing that I really like about what this team did is, is they put up gaudy offensive numbers, but you don't just look at one guy. Like It's not like we have a Justin Jefferson. We don't have a Jamar Chase. We don't have that guy that just goes out and dominates. You know what I mean? We just have a scheme. We have multiple guys that do their job. We have wide receivers that block just as hard as they run the routes. Like I love the the way that it is. you know. And, yeah, they were the, the highest-paid offense um, heading into the season that should be a top five offense in general. Um, but it's a top five, it's a quiet top five offense. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's not, you're not going to go into a game, a matchup. Like let's say the Lions were in this and all of a sudden they're going to play the 49ers and they're like, oh, but this is a really good offense. It's like they, they wouldn't know what to say about the Lions because they don't know. Like, I don't know. It's, you got, I'm on Ross Brown. Who? Well, he was the, the third, third he's really round good. pick. Yeah. Yeah, he's really good. You don't know who he is? Well no. It's like that's those are the conversations that you have with people that don't watch this team every every year, every week, you know? So it's fun. Yeah. So Jared Goff ended the season uh with his last nine, nine games, games without an interception. That is the third longest streak, uh game wise at least, third longest streak in NFL history. Um, only behind I think Tom Brady might have done it. 11 games maybe really um yeah and then there's like two others i think they got to 10 at one point elite company as far as taking care of the football Mm -hmm. um that plays to the offensive line 
uh, also just the receivers and their reliable hands with you know not tossing something up in the air yeah. and causing just a, a random pick. Um, he doesn't I take also, chances, but he doesn't have to. And he's okay with checkdowns. He's okay with who he is. Let's be honest. He just hit his receivers. He's hit his receivers every time. There weren't opportunities. He didn't throw into those situations that was like, oh, man, that was mm-hmm. that was Cause dumb. Because like, you like have a guy like Stafford who throws, let's say, 12 interceptions on average. Well, there's also five dropped interceptions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't recall many dropped interceptions that golf, oh, I let that one got away from me. He doesn't yeah. do that. He, yeah, it, it, he just threw to the open person, mm-hmm. and he threw – to them, and and this was the first game that I saw the glove come out um, when he was playing quarterback, and we saw some bad throws early in that game against the Packers. Um, but then when when it mattered most, reliable again, right? He, yep. he made the throws he needed to. Um, I, I wasn't completely done with that though. So early Sorry. on in the season, there were six interceptions when he was struggling with interceptions early on. Six interceptions. On four of those interceptions, I heard this stat, so I'm just kind of relying on on them to do the research. On four of those, they were supposed to be for TJ Hawkinson, where there's clearly, clearly some mistakes and some miscues, and and what it, for whatever reason they were not on the same page. Mm-hmm. And so I wondered wondered what your take was on that. And then as soon as Hawkinson got to the Vikings, then Kirk Cousins started having interception, interception issues. issues. And I don't know those numbers, but all I know is that. There seemed to be something where Hawkinson was not in the right place, where they expected him to go out and he went in, or he expected him to run a go route and he stopped and turned around and, and hooked. And for whatever reason, it was specifically to him and everybody else ever since then to to the tight ends. No, zero of those of the rest of his well, I guess he threw one more pick the whole year, and and it wasn't towards a tight end. Interesting. Yeah. Man, yeah. Just I, something to think about. Like maybe the maybe the Lions said, you know what? I don't. I can't understand. I don't know but maybe there's some behind this thing behind the scenes stuff that they just wanted to get Hawkinson out of there and say no we're going to do it according to plan every time and stop being stop trying to outsmart the system yeah um so some free agents that I think we got to talk about here uh Chark is making 10 million dollars a year he's going to be a free agent Jamal Williams 3 million uh, I think his incentives got him up to 6 million so good for him um Anzalone 2.25 Evan Brown 2.02 Elliot 1.1. Some others that I think we'll end up talking about later on. It sounds like we're going to have about 30 to 35 million to spend based on where the contracts that we're at. Obviously, you can find cap space out of midair and stuff. So you combine the the building that we've done, young talent. Um, you're going to have them for cheap for a long time. You have money to spend. What kind of sp- what do we want to spend our money on? What are your first thoughts, I guess, that you'd want to spend the money on? Without, we don't need to get nerdy and, and talk about names or anything. Obviously, Rokon Smith is one that I've been talking about all year. He just signed a massive deal with the Ravens, so uh, cross him off my list. But um, what positions do you think are the, are the most important, I guess, to, um, that you would consider the absolute needs to, to find a starter through, the, through free agency? I, I think offensive line. Yeah. Yep. I think we need to continue to invest in this offensive line. You see, uh, Evan Brown. How important has Evan Brown been to be He's that huge. guy to come yep. in and fill the need at center last year and play at an All Pro level at yep. center, and then just be a reliable guard when Vitai went down. Yep. We are not going to always get the health that we got this year. Um, true. Frank Ragnall played through a <laughs> yeah. crazy injury the whole year, pretty much, and he was a Pro Bowler. He was great. 
they're not always going to be able to play through it. And Penny Sewell, if he goes down, if if Jonah Jackson goes down, Taylor Decker, Decker and then yeah, we have to switch. This was his first healthy year in a long time. I know, like yeah. we can't count on that. I I am a firm believer believer in investing in your strengths. And you would do it through free agency with with the offensive line. I would absolutely do it through free agency. Yeah. I think Evan Brown would be key to get back because you know he's a Dan Campbell guy. Yep. Um, so let's pay some extra money even to keep some of these key people. Yeah. That's how you build something where you might give them a little bit more or at market value to, to make sure he doesn't even go there. You mm-hmm. keep them happy. Um, I, I would also really, really want to invest in our, maybe the interior defensive line for the key guys that contributed. Um, Lee McNeil. Uh, yeah. Lee McNeil, but help him out. Yep. So the Kaminsky. Isaiah Bugs, Isaiah Bugs was Bugs. huge when they got yeah. him and they started playing him more. So guys like that, the un, unsung guys, I think we can get some studs in the draft. Yeah. Uh, but, but fill the needs right now in free agency so we don't have to draft one way or another. When we when we drafted Okuda to replace Darius Slay, we like we had a debate whether that was a good idea at the time and and I we all agreed that like this is not going to be a one for one trade. You're going to get a downgraded version of your cornerback that you had when it's a, it's a gamble with bringing in a guy like Okuda. You have a sure thing against a gamble. Mm-hmm. So let's not play the game here. Keep your Keep offensive sure line things. Sure thing as much as possible. That was our strength this year. Um, and then what about like just a position that you would just want to slightly upgrade? Uh, I think it would for me. It'd be linebacker and in, in, in interior defensive line. Yeah, yeah. Because I think we got some studs on the outside. Uh, we can definitely improve there too. Um, health will come a long way with that. With Requaras getting back healthy, uh, if both of them are around. Yeah, but then, yeah. but then um, James Houston a whole year, and you know. Charles Harris too. He's, he'll be back. Yeah, I, I believe. I don't think he's for me. It is. It is linebacker. Um, I, I Anzalone responded well. He had a rough start to the year, and he I think ended up being a, a very serviceable linebacker. I think we could bring him back for a similar number. I don't think he's going to go out and get absolutely paid by any means. It's a pretty deep linebacking um, free agency from what from what I've heard. Um, I haven't gone through the names yet, but. Bring him back on a short deal, or not a short deal, but a cheap and short deal, but also getting somebody that can be more of the playmaker and and not necessarily, and maybe this is my own fault that I just, I look at him and I'm, I don't think he's uh, a playmaker, even though he is, like he was this year. He made some really big plays. He was good. But like, I want someone that the NFL already knows is a playmaker. You know what I mean? Like, he got paid $2.25 million because... For on one year deal because nobody else really would wanted to sign him. Yeah, he was, he was a basically going to be out of football in in a lot of ways. Like maybe he would have been a depth guy. He came here, he started, maybe bet on himself, had a good year. I don't think he's going to deserve that big of a raise or anything. But like, I want a better linebacker as as our our focal point of the defense. Yeah, um, physical there. specimen. Yeah, yep, I do. Yep. So that's kind of where I want to. That's my focus here. Um, heading in the off season is I want and I want it to be a proven guy. Like I, I don't think you can get it in the draft, and it, and it click right away. Um, I want it to be someone that's just like that we know is going to come in, be the mic, be the leader. Maybe it is Anzalone, and then you bring in Sewell. I don't know. Like, but you need to get your your superstar ish um, linebacker at some point here soon. Yeah, and I agree. So cornerback, I think you attack that in the draft. I want a stud, big time talented cornerback. In the draft, and yeah, maybe two. I'm not against that either, but 
linebacker, that's going to be a gamble all day long. And and I'm not saying you can't because if you get the right guy and they believe in it, then I'm yeah. Brad Holmes, go get your guy. Yep, I agree. But uh, free agency seems to be the best place for those linebackers. Put it on tape, you know, that's not going to lie. Yep, I agree. So the draft. Uh, tape don't lie. From the Rams, you got the sixth overall pick. Ooh, Jamal. Mike oh, is, Jamal Mike Williams. is pointing to J- Jamal you, Williams. It, it, it's, I don't think it's a question of <clears> – <throat> Just the running back position. I think it's you bring him back. Look, yeah, I, like yes, nearly at almost at at all costs. I I am I'm a hundred percent on board with like, you. Obviously, you don't want to dump like all star money into Jamal if he you know calls for it. You know, let some other poverty team, yeah, you know, bark up that tree. But to be honest, I mean, you look at his numbers. He's he's got that Detroit mentality, and yep. right right now, I mean, who are you going to get? That's like kind of like a bargain, you know. Could you strike a bargain deal again with him specifically, and you get and get some some sort of production like that? I mean, you're either gonna do that through the draft, or you're gonna spend buco bucks, and everyone's learned not to do that with running backs now. Yeah, they just don't do it anymore. Yep. So I I agree, and I think being the ultimate team player, the ultimate team guy. We saw his heart come out in hard knocks and then throughout the season in that last game, like him yep. post game interview. Yeah, like it was it was it brings people to tears. Mm. And because he has that much passion, he cares about the team that much and we heard the praise from the coaches, from the other players and about being a leader. So, yeah, I I agree. If this is a Campbell guy and a Brad Holmes guy, you keep him. And let's say the Lions go draft somebody. Guess who might get their feelings hurt? DeAndre Swift might get their their feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. Would Jamal get his feelings hurt if they go spend a first-round pick on a running back, Bajan no. Robinson from Texas? No. Jamal won't care. He's yeah. going to be like, come on in. Like, yeah. let's, let's do this together. He's a team guy. And I think that's what we have to decide here. And, that, and, and don't get me wrong. I want Jamal back. Um, I hope that we can get him for a discount. I think that's obviously a key. I would love to have him back. But at the same time, we brought up the offensive line, and I think you can find what he did – for a similar price, if he's looking to double his salary and, and is expecting to make six million instead of three, that's where I'm gonna be like, can we find somebody at three and do it? Because what Justin Jackson did, he Justin Jackson had a really good year when he was healthy. He did, and when he he got things going, like he was doing that. And that's where I'm at with the running backs in general. It's like I'm thinking draft, move on from Swift, and if you and if you're gonna do something like that, then you definitely bring back Jamal and let him be that guy. But you're not going to spend $6 million on a number two running back. And that's what he is. Did he put up incredible numbers? Yes. But he's always going to be a number two running back. He's not going to be a featured running back in this league, in my opinion. And if he's going to get closer to that featured running back money, I don't like spending $6 million on any running back, let alone our second string running back. We're talking about a guy with over a thousand yards know, and seventeen touchdowns. But you agree though. I'm, yeah, I agree. You, you agree. Yeah. It's not just the numbers. He he's a part of a duo. That's where he belongs. He's part yes. he's he's thunder to the lightning, um, to an extent. But, but if he does it again, whether he plays for the Lions next year or someone else, then you start going, Yeah. Is he really just a second string guy? Yeah, I I and at that point I don't care. Like let's bring it back because you're investing in the person. Yeah, You're investing absolutely. in the locker room. person is is where I'm okay with maybe giving him four million, but I don't want to give him much more. That's just and I don't think he, I don't think you'll have to either. I mean, maybe maybe five, but again, what at are we that talking point, about? What, what does it matter? Yeah. yeah, why why would five make me mad? Yeah, it won't. Um, 
But the running back is going to be a massive question. DJ Chark is interesting too. Actually, DJ Chark is actually really interesting because he he seemed to really like this locker room too, and he he didn't match nowhere close to his numbers that he was doing in Jacksonville at his prime. Yep, and yet he was happy. He loved the city. He loved the teammate. He loved the the atmosphere there that Detroit had. He loved know. it, but he, did you love him for ten million dollars? For ten million dollars, no. But he's not going to go make ten million dollars. No, I I understand that. So like, I think. If he stays, it'll be less. But at the same time, I, I like the depth that we have at wide receiver. That I'd be okay with him leaving. I just don't want him to go. I don't want him to leave because of money. Because I think, like Ryan said, we know he works. We know he likes it here. He's a culture guy too. It seems like like he's yeah. part of that. And and maybe we're getting too high on that because we're not used to it to have a culture that we actually buy into. And we got to be cautious when it comes to that kind of stuff um, because. Just because he's a culture guy doesn't mean the next guy isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that we could get for cheaper. Um, but here's a question for you: Would you rather have DJ Chark at three mil less or Jamal at three mil more? Because we have Jamison Williams, and I think Jamison Williams is the Chark role. I guess I would rather keep Jamal Williams. Because we don't have somebody that can fill that role. Where I look at Jameson Williams and really just Amon Ross St. Brown and just the the depth that we have at wide receiver um, as a a way to let Chark go for that much money. See, I see Chark as as um, a prototype. He is he is a type of receiver that fills a role, and you have to cover him. Uh, legitimately over the top with the safeties. That frees up a lot of stuff underneath that yeah. that Amon St. Brown was was why he had success. Yep. So I think that um, but what are you going to replace getting, him Amon St. Brown was getting this type of success when we didn't have that at the end of last year, the last five games last year. So I get what you're saying, but at the same time... When when Josh not, Reynolds filled that role too. Josh Ryan, yeah, that's true. You're yeah. right. Yep. So I, but you're, you're not wrong, but I just think that... Um, Having, I think Chark is part of a depth move here. Um, so if there is an injury somewhere, he can step in and be a legitimate wide receiver. We're talking about a pro, a former pro bowler that you know was not at full strength throughout the entire year. Yeah, and the, and he was yeah. So he only played in eleven games again this year. So the injury thing still the question mark that people will look at. He's going to get a short term deal, maybe a little bit more money than than people are used to spending. But as long as it's not a long deal, he's not going to go get a five year, you know. $12 million a year type type contract. Yeah. It's going to be a short term. Give him two years for $8 million, I would be really happy. I think yeah. that would be perfect yeah. because you've got James Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown making nothing, basically, because they're draft picks. So overpay for the depth guy until you have to pay for your your core, your stars. Uh, I mean, what are we going to get? What do, what are we going to replace him with? Are we going to go get another guy exactly like him on the free agent market or are we going to draft a second rounder and use a, you know, go get a Romeo Dubs that needs a little bit of time to get his feet underneath him? Like that depends just, on what cap casualties you can find. But just because the production looks like it did it did doesn't does not mean that he was not trustworthy. Like he was trustworthy. He DJ did his Shark job. Or DeAndre Hopkins. DJ DJ, oh, well, I mean, Hopkins is better. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, we'd have to trade for Hopkins. Yeah, and Hopkins is going to come with a major price tag. That's not a, yeah. Yeah, but which yeah, one would you rather have? he's got a lot of money left. Oh, I'll Chark? take DJ Chark. For for 8 to 10? Yeah. Or, really? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I don't disagree. I'd rather, I'd rather I don't rely disagree. on I, I'm on Ross St. Brown and Jameson Williams and go spend money on our offensive line, defensive line, and linebackers. Yes. I agree. 
I just thought I don't, was- I don't think I don't think guys like I think wide receiver can be overrated in some mm-hmm. ways. Um, the dominant ones are worth investing in, but no. It comes with a price. But it the comes with a no. money price and it comes with a culture price. Yeah, what did that do for the Cardinals? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. They had a Hopkins Hail Mary had, one time. Hopkins has two years, $34 million left. I don't hate that contract, to be honest with you. Two years, 34 That's not bad. Was that 16, 17 million 17. for two years? It's not like you're killing yourself. You're, you're still dealing with rookie deals with Amon Ross Sam and Jameson. I don't want him. He's turned to, down organizations before. What do you have to trade? What do you have to trade to get him? Yeah, what is he going to demand from Jared Goff? Yeah. He's also looking for an extension. That was fun. Speaking of extension, how about those Lions? <laughs> all right. <laughs> to be honest with you guys, all right, <laughs> let's move on here. Yeah, we could do this all day. What are we at? Oh, we're right about time. If it's craft beer, we've done it all day. <laughs> the authority, but we love both like a fat kid loves cake. Hot, hot! This is State of My Sports. You know, we we're, were going to talk about the NFL and, and the playoff picture and all that stuff and what we're going to be seeing. I think l- let's skip that. Let's just skip the NFL talk if you guys agree with it and just get into our picks. You guys yeah. agree with that? All right. Let's do it. I'm going to do another bumper then if that's right. Talk to it or okay. <laughs> Beat me to it. From the Red Wings to Michigan State. Looks like there's a pretty good deal up there in the comments it. section. <laughs> Too good to pass up. State of the my fact sports. that she did it in the chat. Why did I say she? I have no idea. Um, the fact that they reached out in the chat was really professional. Yeah, I like that. I believe it's real. Well, I like how much information there is there. <laughs> yeah. Should I give her my PayPal account yeah, and yeah. password too? Why do I, I keep I saying wouldn't, her? I wouldn't do password, just but I would do social security it. number just to make sure she has enough information. All right. Give I'll reach, it I'll reach out to it. <laughs> Doge hype. Wait, what's going on with Dogecoin? It's Dogecoin? All right. Go to, all right, all right we're going to get into our picks. They've got his attention. Yeah. The week. Last week, Micah, 4 and 3, 72 61 overall. Ryan, 5 and 2 to take the lead. Ooh, I didn't know that. Right there with John at 5 and 2 to be tied for the lead. Oh, shoot. 73 oh. and 60. One oh. game over, Micah. I am 69 and 64 after a 5 and 2 week. Kyle, 6 and 1 week, 67 and 65 overall. He's over 500. People. Is Kyle cheating? So that's really nice. Is he making his picks after the game's finished? No, he texted them to me before. I already got him on here. See that? John didn't give me his picks, though. Son of a gun. <laughs> All right. Saturday, 4.30, Seahawks, where the Lions should be at the 49ers. It's 49ers minus 10. Kyle's taking the Seahawks. Ryan, you're up. Uh, 49ers. Micah. Niners. I'm taking the 49ers as well. Um, <coughs> Hate those Seahawks. We'll, yeah, I'm <laughs> done with them. I'm so angry about it. Um, Pete Carroll drives me nuts. Saturday, 8.15, Chargers at the Jags. Jags plus one and a half. Kyle's picking the Chargers. Ryan, what are you doing? Man, this is like the Cinderella. You know what? I think the Chargers, as good as they are, they always find a way. It seems like they always find a way to to mess it up somehow. So they're going to mess it up again. I'm going Jags. I have to use the restroom so bad. You guys want to finish the picks? I'll be right back. Let's do it. Sorry. can't finish the picks without you. I so much water right now. You're you're at 2 You're halfway there. No, he's halfway there. (laughs) (laughs) So much water, you're so far behind. Okay, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm going Jags. I gotta. So, do we just keep going without Sam? Yeah, I just mean, me and you. Absolutely, he's gonna miss out on his picks. And right. he's gonna stay at 
what, 69 and uh, yeah. 94. All so. right, so Dolphins at Bills. Bills 11-point favorites. Kyle is taking the Bills. Man, they've been playing a lot of close football lately too, though. They did play close football, and we don't know where uh, <laughs> where Tua's at. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go Bills. I mean, this seems it's, it's a big too spread. Easy, right? It's a big spread, but yeah, Dolphins have just choked their way into the playoffs somehow. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm going Bills too. Sam, yeah, sorry we didn't get his pick. Yeah, we'll just so, put him at zero. Yep. Just say We're no zero pick. his pick for going to the bathroom. Uh, next, we have Giants and, at the Vikings. This one, I'm actually a little surprised that the Vikings are a three point favorite, but being at home, classic pick him right, basically. Yeah. So Vikings three and a half point favorites. Um, Kyle goes Vikings. I, I you know what I I don't believe in the Giants at all. I think they are just an overrated franchise at the moment right now. Over overrated team. Uh, I think they invested in the wrong defensive end, and it's not even close. Um, I'm going to go Vikings. Vikings will win this game. I actually think they're going to blow them out. Um, they're going to be ready because a lot of people are counting them out. Going back, I'm taking the Bills for the record. You're taking the Bills. What about the Jags Chargers? Chargers. Micah, what are you doing for the Vikings Giants? Vikings. Vikings, reluctantly. <laughs> Everybody's going to be anti-Kirk Cousins, and I think he's going to have one of those. You yeah. like that games. Oh, he'll, he'll throw four, like four touchdowns at least. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Sunday, 8-15, you got the Ravens at the Bengals. Bengals minus six and a half. This could be sneaky, Kyle's man. taking the Bengals. Ryan. Hmm. Is Lamar healthy? There are conflicting reports, basically. What I'm I almost feel like they're going to have a better chance without Lamar at this point. If he's so on the edge that they're not sure if he's going to play, then he's probably not healthy enough to be effective. The rumors are they think he's healthy enough, but he's not willing to play. Those are, those, are the rumors. Is that your rumor? Or is no, that actually are, coming? <laughs> I know how much you hate that dude. That's what. <laughs> I just don't trust you. That's all. That's what people are saying. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to go Bengals. That took me too long. But Bengals are a good team, man. They Same. play full full yep. football. I am taking the Ravens. That's because Lamar's playing. Too many points. Too many points. And I think John Harbaugh's a really good football coach. He is. He'll have that team ready, prepared, and yeah, probably, probably be a good game. So moving on to the last game, Monday. A Monday playoff game. 8-15, of course, the Cowboys are going to play on Monday. Um, Cowboys at the Bucks. Bucks plus three. Kyle's taking the Cowboys. <clears throat> I'm taking the Bucks. The Cowboys have looked so bad in recent games, and I, I don't. I'm not taking that as gospel. I think they're actually a good team. The defense is scary, and Dak can turn it on at any, at any point. But there's a difference in Tom Brady postseason football, and I know that the, you know Bucks are not a good team. But they can be when they need to be. Yep. I'm going box. Give me the box. Yeah, I'm taking the box. I just think well. the the Cowboys are playing bad football. They're gonna like McCarthy themselves and the, away the, they go. The Buccaneers are getting healthy and they are like 
the master manipulator when it comes to the team. Like they bait quarterbacks constantly, and and Goff or Goff, uh, <laughs> Dak is taking the bait all year long. Basically, he's got so many turnovers. So, um, yeah, I mean, if I can get Tom Brady plus three, see ya. I'm taking Brady all day long on that. So Dak is so. He's just a puzzle this year specifically. It's weird. Some of his decisions, it almost looks like he's on drugs. It's because he needs a new mattress. Yeah. Sleep number. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's using the wrong number. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not accusing him by any means. I'm just saying, like, you know, some of those throws are just (laughs) really bizarre. What are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they're messing, like, teams are are confusing him. He's just gotten predictable. Yeah. Yeah. So. Word got out. Those are the picks of the week, and we do not have a beer grade this week, so. Um, we'll just kind of cool move on. Do I? What do I hit? I don't even know. I did outro. The outro with fade. Yep. That was episode 188. Surprised you didn't know that. Thank you guys for recording <laughs> tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you all for watching, listening, commenting, and all that good stuff. We will talk to you next week, if not soon. Bye. You've been listening to State of My Sports. From the Red Wings to the Lions, to the Tigers, to the Pistons, to Michigan and Michigan State, and everything in between, we're talking about it. And don't forget the beer. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch at State of My Sports with an M-I. We'll see you next time.